Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call the Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that is ready to believe episode 46 of any podcast could be its most important, other than Mystical Tales of the Unknown Universe, of course. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Vink Maniac on the internet, and I am thrilled to be bringing you episode 46, the 2023 giant-sized Extraplasm Annual. Now, I'm sure some of you might be thinking, isn't the correct title of the episode the one where the podcast finds its voice, Jim? And in some ways, it is. But episode 46 is, in fact, our anniversary episode, as it was a year ago this week that the first Extraplasm featuring Ghostbusters scare writer Stephen Shea was released, and we began this little experiment. And over the last few months, I've been giving a lot of thought of what it means for the podcast to quote-unquote find its voice. I've been joking about it and saying it was going to happen by this episode, but truthfully, the voice of the podcast is really the voices of those who come on this show each week and share stories with us. And without those folks, Extraplasm would be me sitting in a room late at night, often somewhere around like three o'clock in the morning because it's quiet and nobody's around who's going to make noise, <laughs> and weirdly explaining my viewpoint on whether cyclotrons should rotate clockwise or counterclockwise or something. Uh, and it would not be the show that it is if it were not for the voices of the fandom, the folks who come on this show, and also the people who interact with it. So for this episode, I wanted to do something a little different that deviates from our typical format a bit. And if you're listening in the car, uh, or you're like riding a bike or something, you might find the first portion of the show meets your needs in your current mobile state. Whereas you might need to swing by a 7-Eleven or something and grab some popcorn to enjoy the latter portion of the podcast when you get home. And it is a giant sized episode. You're going to find that this is probably the longest episode of Extraplasm that we've released uh, because um, we're going to be celebrating the 46th episode with a watch along commentary for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, that's the film that gave us a character name podcast who has a podcast and evoked the whole 46 episode gimmick that I've loved talking about for a year. And joining us on the adventure in movie watching and giving us commentary and, you know, chatting about this and explaining how we feel about the movie and offering up some humor along the way are Jason Fitzsimmons of Ghostbusters News, Tom Henry of TCU Toys and the Containment Unit Autograph Group on Facebook, and Tony Taylor of Phantasm Toys. These are three folks who represent the voices of the podcast for this year's celebration, but they're not the only voices that made this past year amazing. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's been on the show over the last 45 episodes. It is really difficult to put together a commentary track with like 20 people or more. <laughs> so I settled on three folks who've been on the show several times and who frankly could do it at the time that we needed to, because one of the you know confusing challenges of producing this show is that we're talking to somebody different every week in a different time zone, in a different context, who has a different schedule. Uh, and so, you know, there were some folks who even booked for this episode who we were thought we were going to be able to do it with and then had to back out. And if they weren't, able to. Uh, for those of you who I talk, you know, you know who you are if you're listening. Um, thank you because you took the time to try and figure out how to make this work. Uh, and then we had to kind of reconvene and figure out how to change some things around. So, um, you know, if you didn't make it onto this commentary and you're listening out there and you're like, I've been on the show, um, don't worry, I'm going to come back to you for later because I plan on, you know, moving forward into the new year and for each year to come, as long as we're doing the podcast, I want to reconvene with several guests every 46 episodes uh, to watch some Ghostbusters content and talk about what it means to us, how we, we reacted to it upon seeing it, um, you know, offer up some fun facts about the productions, etc. And so 
that's what we're going to be doing this week after Ghostbusters headlines with, uh, you know, Jason, Tony and Tom. But if you, you know, for in the future, I want to bring other folks back on who've been on the show before and continue to sort of spread the love on doing some commentary work so we can put that out there in the world. You know, one of the from my standpoint, one of the most fun commentaries that's ever been produced is actually a fan commentary, uh, you know, that included Troy and Chris from the Crossrip that's actually on a Ghostbusters release. <laughs> so I, I, I think it would be really cool to be producing some more of that content with some of the great voices in the community uh, as we move forward. So. Again, that's what we're going to do this week after Ghostbusters headlines. You'll be able to sync up the start of the commentary with the Sony logo at the start of the Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, you know, version that you've got, whether it's the Blu-ray or whether you're watching it on streaming, and then take a fun ride with Jason, Tom, Tony, and yours truly. Uh, yeah, you do need to bring your own movie, though. We didn't bootleg it for you. So if you, this is not the uh, opportunity to get free movie time. But I will tell you that if you're not sure where to get to move, the movie, if you don't have it right now, uh, it is out on Stars. You can start a trial through Amazon Prime for like seven days and watch the film uh, if you need to for some reason. But I imagine that if you listen to this podcast, you probably have a pretty good idea of where to find Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, but I also want to make sure you know there's some other folks who are really important to recognize and that I really value. And that's you. Uh, extraplasm wouldn't be what it is without you listening wherever you are because it's the interaction with folks each week who want to comment on things or have follow-up information or you know just people who even just like stupid memes and posts that i put on the internet or decide to forward the podcast to somebody um, you know all of those things are what make this worthwhile it's the interaction and it's the getting to know people and making new friends and new common you know new people to comment on things with and collaborate with so a few things are going to be happening uh in the coming week i would say probably the coming month um but don't hold me to it because my job just restarted back up. <laughs> so um, a few things will be happening, though, for sure. Uh, first, yes, Extraplasm will finally be getting a Facebook page in the next few weeks. It will not be getting a group, but it will be getting a page uh, as well as a presence on threads to supplement the existing Instagram and Twitter accounts. So if you're looking for places to connect with the podcast or other listeners that are going to be, you know, who are listening to the show and you want to be able to talk with them. Those are going to be some pretty good places to check out. The other big announcement to know about is that Extraplasm's nascent YouTube presence is about to get bigger and more interactive. In the coming weeks, you'll be able to access episodes via YouTube. And I'm going to look into and we've kind of this is the plan for the moment is to cut up episodes into segments for upload to YouTube for snackable content. Uh, so if you're like me, like I often will go like to uh, YouTube and go find something like Jim Cornette, who's a wrestling podcaster, and he has like a four hour podcast that there's no way I'm going to sit down and listen to the entirety of all at once. But I will grab like segments from his show that are up on YouTube on like, say, Macho Man Randy Savage, because Macho Man Randy Savage is awesome. Uh, so maybe for you, like you're a person who likes this podcast, but in particular, you know, you've got time during your day where you'd like to see something about, you know, a toy that's coming out or uh, some discussion we're having with a prop builder and there's a discussion in there about cyclotrons or something and how they're designed. Um, so I want to be able to take those segments and put them out there onto the internet uh, in a way that's more snackable. It also means that they can be embedded and shared. So it means if people are like, you know, having discussions on GB fans and there's something that gets talked about uh, with, with someone who's been on the show as a guest, you can then click to it and reference it easily. So um, look for that. That's something that also is going to set us up to have some more interactive space. I mean, the reality is that by creating a Facebook page and developing, uh, you know, more of the YouTube content out. This also gives us a chance to have a presence uh, where we can do, you know, potentially live stream events uh, or just more video content. For the start of this, it's going to be probably on YouTube will be just audio only with, you know, like a graphic card to tell you what the content is. 
uh, because this is going to be new. It's going to be a new experience for me for sure. And, but it's something that I want to do. It's important to me because I think the more opportunity there is for us to have dialogue, engagement, and conversation, uh, the better, because that's what makes fandom of anything worthwhile. So when these new platforms go live, there's also going to be some giveaways to support or celebrate the new opportunities that we're building for fan conversations as well as the year ahead. So you're going to want to stay tuned to those spaces as they go live if you're into free Ghostbusters merch and particularly stuff that's difficult to find. Wink, wink. Uh, so thank you again for giving your attention to this podcast every week. This is something I started doing a year ago to see if I could do it in the absence of a podcast that I love and in the presence of a podcast I admire and respect. So I also want to say thank you to Troy and Chris over the cross rip, uh, and to Craig, Abby, Jacob, and Ryan over at Yes Have Some. Uh, these two podcasts are, you know, made made so much of uh, my Ghostbusters fandom, you know, come alive each week, especially during the pandemic when uh, there wasn't a lot to go out and do, but there were things to listen to and people creating it. And without them sort of doing what they do first and being supportive of the show, especially over the last year and talking about it, this show probably would never have come into being because I would have never sort of developed the sense that this is something I wanted to try doing. Um, I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts out there in the world. I haven't thought about doing podcasts before. And to be real, like I listen to a Star Trek podcast. I listen to podcasts about the office. I listen to podcasts about movies, like how did this get made? And um, I listen to Doug Benson's podcast. So if you like come by my house, you won't often find me sitting down watching television. Instead, you'll find me like washing dishes with my headphones on. <laughs> but there's the podcast that inspired me to kind of say, I want to have a voice and a fandom I really care about are definitely those two. Um, so thank you again uh, to those folks because without them, you know, I, I would probably never have been never have been inspired to try and do this. Um, and I also want to say, even though you're going to hear me talk about him a little bit when he's on the show um, and, if, you know, on the, the, the commentary in a few moments, I want to say thank you to Jason Fitzsimmons at Ghostbusters News for helping to get the word out about Extraplasm each week um, and being a really fun recurring contributor to this paranormal podcasting experiment that we're gathering for on the regular. Um, it, Jason has been incredibly supportive of the show. He promotes what's going on with it and talks about it on his website on a regular basis. And I'm really grateful for that um, you know, collaboration that he's decided to give the show and the attention to tell people about it. And so um, he's always fun to have on the show as much as everybody else is, is that the only person out of that prior list, the only people who on that prior list of folks I talked about who haven't been on the show are uh, Abby and Ryan. So maybe that's a thing to be looking at for uh, this next set of 46 episodes. We'll see. But um, my final thing I'll say is that I had joked about how I was going to maybe create season two when we got to 46 episodes, but I'm not. We're going to continue to keep just with this numbering format we've got. Next week will be episode 47. It won't be like season two, episode one to confuse everyone. Uh, but I do want to do this thing of like holding to this idea that like 46 episodes a year give me six weeks off um, <laughs> at some point. Um, but to try and do this on a regular coming back to do the reconvening. So um, with all my emo stuff taken care of, we're going to talk about some Ghostbusters headlines and then we'll watch the movie. So let's get into those Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Fall in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. Okay. So let's start out with the um, merch headlines first. And there's not going to be a whole lot of news this week. It's not a, a, a particularly deep uh, list of things to talk about in terms of news content. But there are a few things we should definitely touch base on. And at merch, probably the big news to know about is that 
the uh, fun costumes, as I'm now going to call them. Whenever I say fun costumes, you can know I mean fun.com slash Halloween costumes. And if you think I came up with that, I didn't. That's their Instagram name. <laughs> so on, fun, on Instagram, they are fun costumes. The fun costumes proton pack uh, that we've been talking about over the last few weeks that was coming in at like, you know, a pretty hefty uh, price tag and that was lacking a lot of features has been marked down significantly. It's now down from uh, $499.99 to $299.99, being given a $200 price cut. But it's also been announced that this is going to be a one-and-done on the uh, HalloweenCostumes.com Proton Pack. So they are cutting their production at only 500 pieces. Um, so this is something that you know Jason Fitzsimmons has come on and talked about in the last couple of weeks, and he's really expressed this idea of you know how things have been delayed for a year and things in terms of production of this, because he knew a little bit more about how it was, how it was coming together. Um, so it seems like, you know, they had kind of a challenge. They were trying to put out a proton pack at the same time as spirit was apparently developing one that people didn't know about. Um, so uh, I will say this, I've had some folks message me and say things like this is garbage pack. Why would anyone want this? And the reality is this, at this point, if you are living outside the United States and you can't get a spirit pack and you can use the 20% off coupon for this thing and probably bring it home for like two forty nine ninety nine. So you're not that far from the price point of the spirit Halloween pack. You're going to get a proton pack at that point that you can do modifications to and things just like you would with a spirit Halloween pack, but just maybe some different work you have to do. And if, if for that price, if you're outside the US and you don't have another option, it's actually not a bad deal. Um, and you realize that some people are right now throwing things and going, we're not listening to episode 47, you clown. Everyone hates this thing. Um, and I don't think that's true. I think that there are some people who are very critical of it. But for what it is, the ability to get a shell that looks relatively good in terms of its, you know, uh, sizing, its proportions, the things that are on it and um, it looks like it, it looks like a proton pack. Like it doesn't look like it's not a proton pack. It's the lack of features is really what kind of is the deal breaker for many people, but its appearance is not wildly inaccurate. And so, you know, I would say this, if you're a person who's out there and you live overseas and you don't have access to a spirit Halloween pack, you missed out on the Haslab pack, know that this is going to be limited to 500 pieces and that, you know, their next opportunity to get something that's particularly affordable, who knows when it's going to be. So, um, you know, just throwing that out there. I'm, you know, I don't need one because I've got enough proton packs and I live in the U S and I have other options, but if you're overseas, this is something that you can grab where many other vendors are not going to be available to you, or you're going to have to buy a proton pack, like from eBay for a HasLab pack and pay a huge amount of money and then have pay also a huge amount of money for like international shipping. So, um, take a look at this. Halloweencostumes.com is the place to go. If you want to pick up the proton pack that they've got for two ninety nine ninety nine before it's gone. So, um, okay. The other big thing to know about from Halloweencostumes.com we talked about a couple weeks ago was the Slimer decoration they had coming out. And uh, Jason Fitzsimmons and I were talking about this and its preview images. He actually has received one at this point. So if you go to GhostbustersNews.com, you can go and check out his review of that decorative Slimer holding the pizza and the hot dog. I got to say this for real. Like I've seen, you know, his article, but I've also seen Jason's photos of this thing at different angles that he sent me. And this thing looks way better uh, in person when somebody he's with him photographing it than I feel like it did on their website. So uh, as much as we kind of went, ooh, that paint job looks you know weird um, <laughs> on, on the web photos, the one that he got really photographs and looks much better than perhaps it got photos taken of it uh, when they set up, you know, the page for it. So uh, it's something I will probably be picking up because it's Slimer and he has pizza and 
that's just a no brainer to me. I don't have a slimer that holds pizza right now. And y'all know how I feel about pizza. I make it, I bake it, I love it, I eat it. It's the greatest thing on the, on the planet next to Ghostbusters. So uh, if you're interested, if you were kind of like, what's the deal with that slimer figure, go and check out Jason's review. He's got it up on his website right now. And you can also click through on the uh, page there to order that for $29.99. So comes in at about eight, uh, 13 inches in height. So it's just a little over a foot. Um, and it makes a pretty cool little display item. So uh, in terms of new merchandise that's coming out that we hadn't heard about before, Ace Toys, or rather Star Ace Toys in Hong Kong, uh, has teased that there's going to be some new Ghostbusters items coming out. And they are like a high-end collectibles company that is based in Asia. And essentially, they sell figures ranging between like, say, $150 to $600 in price, depending upon what it is. As an example, they have like a Cyclops figure right now that goes for about $185. It seems, based off of posts that they have made to Facebook, uh, that they are going to be doing a Terror Dog, a Slimer, and a Stay Puft figure because they posted silhouettes of those images and then asked, can you guess what our new license is? So there's not really clear indications on when these are coming out or you know what the release date is going to be for them, but it looks like we're going to be getting some new sort of high-end uh, collectible statues or figurines, but not quite maybe as high-end as those premium collectible studios Ghostbusters we talked about. But that being said, if these are at all in scale, you could probably put these things all together, make a really nice display. We'll have to find out when we see what these figures look like. But, um, you know, I'm definitely interested to see what they're going to be. So we'll find out. Um, more news on that as it becomes available. But if you want to, uh, you know, be on the tip, you probably could go over and subscribe to, uh, the Facebook page for Star Ace Toys and wait for some more details and maybe you'll get them before I do. Who knows um, if you're subscribing on Facebook to something uh, because I don't know that I am <laughs> beyond that. I would want to tell you that the Loungefly um, Ghostbusters collection that Jason Fitzsimmons has been talking about in Ghostbusters news for the past week is now available for pre-order. If you haven't seen this, there is an assortment of Ghostbusters items, including a wallet that like zips up and looks like it's got slime on it. It's made, appears to be like made of leather though. Um, and is there a mini backpack and a crossbody purse? These items range between about 40 to $80 with the wallet coming around in around 40, uh, the crossbody purse coming in around 65 and the mini backpack coming in around 80 lounge fly has done bags in the past that were you know popularly and well-received these are pretty nice. Um, I don't carry a purse, so I probably won't be buying one, <laughs> but um, I do need a new wallet. So I'm kind of like, this is interesting. You got a zip around wallet with a no ghost logo on it and slime on the back. I I'm intrigued. So I I you next time we talk, I may be pulling my money out of that. Uh, we'll see. But you can go and uh, get those now on pre-order from Entertainment Earth. So uh, hit their website up and they've got those available for your your needs and uh, the final piece of sort of apparel news here to tell you about is that Kohl's, uh, the department store, apparently has a new Ghostbusters t-shirt uh, that is available featuring the Ecto-1. I want to point this out that uh, there's a lot of t-shirts available from Kohl's on their website. This is not one of them. You actually have to go into a store to find this one, which from my standpoint is probably better for you because, you know, not to like throw a slag on Kohl's, but um Kohl's sells t-shirt designs that are sold by lots of other companies 
because those t-shirts are printed on demand if you order them online. So you order them from Kohl's or Amazon or wherever, and they're printed on demand using a print-on-demand process and mailed to you, and so you get things like an awesome Slimer t-shirt, and it falls apart in less than three months. Uh, so <laughs> that's my personal review of don't buy the print-on-demand Ghostbusters shirts from Amazon or Kohl's, because you might find yourself in pain. Uh, but this is a shirt that looks to be printed from a different process, uh, and it's being distributed differently, so I'm more interested in it. Um, it's nice. It's gray. It's got the Ecto-1. Who could hate that? Uh, so if you are looking for a new Ghostbusters t-shirt, if you want to pick it up, it's uh, pretty cheap because apparently it's only $12.99. Uh, so, and it's part of a two for $22 deal. Um, so check out your Kohl's stores. Uh, but again, you probably can't find it online at this point. Let's talk for a few minutes about video game news. There's nothing really to report about Spirits Unleashed for the moment. Uh, there's no new hot fixes or DLC patches, although I am will tell you that I certainly have played a lot of that new DLC uh, and it's enjoyable, but there's also some bugs that need to be fixed, so we hope that happens soon. Uh, one of those things is that the Xbox crossplay remains something that apparently is not fixed. And so if you're an Xbox player out there wondering, did they fix it? And my Xbox is just not working right. No, it doesn't look like they did. Um, so this is definitely something people are struggling with. I think I hope that they correct it soon because I know it's kind of impacted the ability for some folks like the leagues uh, to get their gaming done, given that they're uh, having some problems doing connectivity and setting up matches when they can't do crossplay. But uh, I do want to reiterate that if you're playing that game without a league intent or if you have patience to play, you know, to go get in public matches and match up as opposed to matching with your friends and you're on an Xbox. Uh, that's still an awesome game and still got a lot of cool things that are going on. And, and the new DLC is great. The Bug Eye Ghost is super fun. And I know I've probably said this already on the podcast, but the new level has a pizza restaurant in it and it's awesome. And I just want to I wish it was real. I just want to go there and bust ghosts in a pizza restaurant. It would make me so happy. Um, <laughs> I digress. So uh, no real big news there on Spirits Unleashed. But there is some news about Fortnite. Um, apparently Fortnite's creative mode, uh, will allow you to, you know, create your own maps and create your own different, uh, objects and things in the Fortnite world. And there, apparently there is a Fortnite player named Flux Capasimus, according to Ghostbusters news, who has a map that includes renditions of Central Park, um, the New York Public Library, the Sedgwick Hotel, and the top of the, the, uh, the, the Shandor building, including Gozer's Temple. Um, you can go and download I guess these maps to go play Fortnite in, which is kind of hilarious. You look at the images that are up on Ghostbusters news of this. The temple looks freaking amazing. And I'm not a Fortnite player, but it's these kinds of things that make me want to go try a game just to go uh, get somebody else's little experimental stuff. If you're interested in this, if you're a Fortnite player and you want to take a look at, you know, this stuff, because there's some other locations like the Tavern on the Green and like Vigo, Car Vigo the Carpathian's Pink Slime River. Uh, you can grab the code uh, for that from Ghostbusters News. Just grab the article called Ghostbusters Film Locations Get Recreated in Fortnite. Uh, and towards the bottom of that article, there is a code number that's really long and I'm not going to try and tell you to write down right now. <laughs> so you can just go get it. But uh, if you use it, you can download this map and, you know, mess around in Fortnite and uh, play some Ghostbusting uh, situations that, frankly, are not in Spirits Unleashed because you can't go to Gozer's Temple in Spirits Unleashed. So, uh, Ilphonic. Give me Gozer's Temple. That would be awesome. Um, I'd like to go to the top of 55 Central Park West and go bust ghosts at Spook Central. I don't know if you have the license to the movies, but um, if you do, I mean, I have to assume you must have a license to some. You've got the characters. Anyway, um, sorry, Alphonic. I don't mean to tell you how to do your job, but thanks for making a cool game. 
All right. So let's talk about a few things in terms of fan media and fan creative work for a couple moments. Uh, the first thing I want to tell you about is a charity effort. I received word from uh, Jason House of the Tar Heel Ghostbusters asking me to pass on to you that they are working with a group called Little Bricks Charity, uh, which apparently provides uh, Lego kits and Lego builds for kids in hospitals. So in the same vein that Starlight Foundation we've talked about in the past that works to provide play for kids in hospitals through video games, uh, it seems that Little Bricks does the same kind of uh, idea with Legos. Uh, you've, there's a website you can go to of littlebrickscharity.org slash who you going to call uh, that will take you to the campaign for this where you can donate um, for every $30 raised. It allows them to uh, create a big put big build smiles on one hospitalized child uh, for every $100 they raise. You can sponsor a live build session with a medically complex child and some expert builders. Uh, and for every $7,500 that are raised through this campaign, it will be enough to provide Lego sets and build experiences to an entire children's hospital. So uh, this is a situation where if you're making a donation, it is tax deductible. It's a 501c3 and your money goes directly to Little Bricks. So you don't have to worry about what happens to the money I give to a Ghostbusters franchise and those people in flight suits. And do they just go spend it on like, you know, the next HasLab, which I'm kidding. The Tar Hill Ghostbusters wouldn't do that. They're not like that. Um, but <laughs> what I'm, I mean, seriously, that. Sometimes you're not sure who you're donating to or whether or not money goes into this. There's lots of friends and family, PayPal kinds of things that people do. And you hope that um, that money goes where it's supposed to go in the right way. In this case, you will know that your money went exactly where it was supposed to because you'll be donating directly to uh, Little Bricks Charity. This is a pretty cool concept, I have to admit. Like, I, I didn't know about this as a thing that exists in the world of a Lego building uh, charity for kids in hospitals, but I love it. I love the Starlight campaign for the same reason of it reaches kids in hospitals who are in really uh, you know, crappy situations and helps put a smile on their face. And this looks like something really fun. So uh, take a look if you have uh, the time at littlebrickscharity.org slash who you're going to call um, and see what you might be able to do to help support the effort of bringing build sets and build kits to kids in hospitals. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about in terms of fan created stuff, it's kind of Lego related and it's just kind of coincidental, <laughs> is that there is a new Lego set of plans for a supersized Lego Egon Spengler, like as opposed to a minifig, it's like a mega fig. Um, it's a gigantic, uh, huge massive version of Egon Spengler as a minifig that was actually created by, uh, I believe, Waller Customs. Uh, Waller Customs is also sort of known for building lots of other things like a uh, Ghostbusters Neutrona wand and a Ghostbusters trap that was, you know, life size out of different pieces. The plans for this are available. Like if you want to build your own giant size 1220 piece Egon Spengler, um, you can do that. It's apparently based off of the Harry Potter maxi fig that's out there and you can grab it. Uh, for five dollars, not the actual figure itself, <laughs> but the parts list uh, and the instructions uh, are available for five dollars through the uh, website for Waller Customs. So you can go to Waller Waller Customs, W-A-L-L-E-R Customs.com, uh, as well as Rebrickable, uh, where you can find Brent Waller is the uh, user for this. And um, this is pretty neat. Like for five bucks, you can get the plans. There's also a Bricklink uh, wanted list. So if you're a Lego person who knows how to go to Bricklink and buy bricks off of the uh, 
the dark web. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they're <laughs> off the collector web of people who are getting rid of extra bricks and things. You can go grab them from Bricklink with a wanted list really easily. So uh, it's pretty neat. I have to say, like, I have to still finish my Ghostbusters Afterlife Ecto-1, but I'm more compelled to do it because I could build this. And this thing is like so big that I feel like I could put it next to my Ghostbusters firehouse. And I would wonder if uh, Rick Moranis has showed up and honey, I shrunk the kids or blew up the baby or whatever and blew up the Egon. So, um, yeah, this is pretty neat. I, I like seeing the like fan created stuff like this. And I think I've said that a lot, you know, maker community stuff. But I also love it seeing when you can like kind of make your own stuff using a kit. Uh, it's like the Ikea of Ghostbusting or something. Uh, but instead it's Lego. But if you're interested in this, if you're a Lego builder, uh, go take a look at it. Even if you're just a person who likes looking at cool Lego stuff, like this is a really cool model and the photos of it are really neat. Our last Ghostbusters headline of the week is also about a fan created project. And in this case, it's about the Oklahoma City Ghostbusters. Apparently the Oklahoma City Ghostbusters have been working with the Oklahoma City Dodgers, a minor league baseball team, to develop a fan film over the last few years uh, that began as a project during their appearance for an 89ers event uh, in 2021. They've been back to celebrate that event several times since then and partnered with the Dodgers for things like a fill the Ecto toy drive. And each of these meetups, it seems that they've filmed a short vignette that has now been edited together in by the in-house production team uh, for the Dodgers. So um, if you want to take a look at this, it's a fun little video. Uh, you can find it over on the Oklahoma City Ghostbusters YouTube page. They've released it there. It was actually debuted at uh, a Dodgers game between the Oklahoma City Dodgers and the Round Rock Express. So how many different franchises out there can say, hey, we made a Ghostbusters fan film after partnering with agency to do uh, charitable things. And also we showed it at a baseball stadium like on a big screen. So that's kind of wild. Uh, but if you want to see it yourself, it's a nice little watch. It's less than 10 minutes. You can like eat lunch and get a smile on your face about Ghostbusters stuff. Uh, just go over to Oklahoma City Ghostbusters or rather OKC Ghostbusters YouTube page uh, and find the, the video called OKC Ghostbusters Help OKC Dodgers 2023. Okay, so that about wraps up these headlines for this week. And these, I guess the are these the first headlines of the new year or the last headlines of the old year? I think it's the new year, but um, we're going to move on at this point from headlines into uh, the commentary track with Jason, Tom, Tony and me. Uh, so if you've got Ghostbusters Afterlife nearby, you're going to want to go ahead and fire that up. I will give you a heads up and a little bit of a warning that uh, this is far more of a watch along than it is just us talking as the movie plays. So we do interact with kind of what's happening on screen. If you're listening to the podcast right now and like you're in a car, like it may be kind of weird to listen to this because there's a couple like moments, you know, where there'll be pauses between things we're saying was we're looking at what's on screen and then talk about it. So this might be a better experience for you uh, to be enjoying and listening to uh, at home watching it. If you're a person who usually listens to this show in the car or something. So uh, but that being said, this was a lot of fun to do. I really enjoyed the time I got to spend with these three guys, uh, you know, talking about this movie. And I love this movie. It's so much fun. I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we enjoyed putting it together. Uh, it was a real blast to talk with Tom, Tony and Jason and to watch a movie that we all really appreciate. So we'll turn it over now to uh, me from the past who did a commentary um, and we'll check back in afterwards real quick to wrap up the episode. Uh, but thanks again for listening. And I hope you enjoy uh, our commentary on Ghostbusters Afterlife. Joining me on the podcast for a very special event and what I'm sort of calling giant-sized extraplasm is a panel of amazing people who have joined us over the last 45 episodes. 
leading us up to episode 46, the one in which we allegedly find our voice. And I want to say before any of these folks come on, uh, that they're all here because my viewpoint is that the voice of the podcast is the folks who come on. Uh, that was the thing that I realized in the finding our voice is that the podcast wouldn't have the same voice if it wasn't for the people who come on and do a great job and want to share things with us. And, and the folks, especially who like enjoy coming back and talking on a regular basis and who I really uh, enjoy talking with. I'm now reiterating things I've said twice, but this folks is going to be one of the shows that we don't edit much because it's a it's it's a watch along and we're going to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife and we're going to do it with Tom Henry, not Hardy from TCU Toys. Jason Fitzsimmons from Ghostbusters News and Tony Taylor of Phantasm Toys, a.k.a. Tony Taylor Toys. How are you each doing? Tom, how are you? I'm fantastic, Jim. How are you? I'm thrilled you're here. Um, and I'm, if I mean that, I'm stoked to be like here with each of you and to be sitting down watching a movie that we all love. Um, and so thank you for so much for coming on and doing it. And also, I'm stoked to see what else you're going to be doing with, with TCU Toys. You sent me a mystery box that I got from you of autographs this week uh, that, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's why he got on. He sent you free stuff. No, I paid for it. So stop it. Uh, <laughs> but realistically, I, I've had so much fun uh, opening autographs and stuff over the last few days from uh, the containment unit autograph group. And so uh, thank you for those mystery boxes because they were a lot of fun to work that to open up. And I know you spent a lot of time working on them. So uh, nice work. So, yeah. Thank you for your support, Jim. Happy to support you. Uh, thank you for the invite to be here with two titans of the Ghostbusters fandom. Uh, kind of starstruck a little bit. <laughs> Gotta say. <laughs> How, wait, you're the guy who goes and meets everybody who's been in the movie and has them sign stuff. Yeah. And you're, yeah. And you're starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason, Jason has been a, a, fa a figure in my life since before. I ever had the containment or anything like that because mm -hmm. Ghostbusters news. It's like, I've seen his face so many times over so many years. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should introduce you next since you've, uh, you've been introduced already by, I said your name, but you know, Jason Fitzsimmons is here from Ghostbusters news. How are you doing Jason from the great white North of Canada? That's not so white right now. I'm excited. I mean, I'm giant size tonight. I'm, I'm very pumped. Episode 46 Ghostbusters afterlife watch along. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Barry I, in the lead, episode 46. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be big, it's gonna be good. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, look, I, it's weird to talk about episode 46, because it's like, that's not really a year anniversary by standards, arguably. It's like, there's 52 weeks in a year, but it actually is a year. Like, if you look at the release date of this podcast versus when the last one came out, and I've been kind of joking about it that, um, I don't know why I did this to myself, but apparently I decided to start a podcast the week that school started last year. And then I decided to keep doing it, which means that every year I get to do this on like the night before school starts or some crazy nonsense, which is what we're doing the night for me, uh, for work. And I, but I appreciate so much that like Jason, that you came into this because like you're on a three hour time, delay, you know, difference doing this, um, to watch a two hour movie. And, you know, you've always been awesome and accommodating despite the fact that I'm like, do you want to do things at weird times? So, and then I see you at like three o'clock in the morning on Instagram and you're like, I'm playing video games. So, I, I, whoa, 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 okay. First of all, uh, <laughs> that's not normal. I hardly play games. Stray came out for the Xbox Series X and I've been really into that playing as a cat. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, what, 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 it's 10 o'clock. What else am I going to be doing? I, I talk and review <laughs> action figures and toys what else am i going to be doing at 10 o'clock at night really right, what else enough. do i have that's important <laughs> nothing well, now, well that's 
So what you're saying is I had nothing better to do, man. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. And thank you always for being so supportive of the show. Um, I really enjoy when you come on and we have a great conversation. I say this, like people will message me after you've been on the show and say, it's really fun when he's on. I'm like, isn't it? So thank you, because um, I would spend the, all your episodes. People like will message me and be like, hey, he was on and I like him. So there you go. Um, feel good about yourself. That's what you should mm. do. No, <laughs> no standard Canadian no. response to compliment is I shirk it <laughs> no, off. I, no. Yeah, yeah, no. It, it's best to keep the expectations of yourself low. You'll surprise yourself <laughs> that way. I think that's the thing, the Scotty principle from Star Trek, right, is like the whole concept that he tells Captain Kirk, you just he tells, you know, uh, Geordi LaForge when he finally meets him in the 24th century or whatever that, uh, you know, never give the captain the actual time it takes to do anything. You should always exaggerate it that way when you can get it done in the time it takes. They think you're a miracle worker. Um, So there you go. Same principles. And Tony Taylor Toys, you are a miracle worker of toys uh, and things. Um, that's, you know, we've talked about your black magic that your toys are come from <laughs> a couple weeks ago that I said on the podcast. And you messaged me to say, apparently I have black magic in my basement. And I was like, yes, you do. Uh, so how are you, Tony Taylor? I am awesome. I am excited to be here. And it is great to be hanging, just to be hanging out with everybody that's in this little box on my computer screen right now with Jason and Tom and especially you and of the episode of episodes for a Ghostbuster podcast, number 46. Congratulations, I think is in order anyhow. And this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason I wanted to watch this movie is like you just said, this episode 46 thing again is like, this is the movie that coined that term. I was like, we could watch the original <laughs> Ghostbusters, but like, you know, this is the movie that like where this piece of lore comes from, from a character named podcast who has a podcast. Um, I don't <laughs> remember who said it, but someone suggested that the ideal guest for this show would have been to go get Logan Kim. And bring him on for episode 46 and they'd be like, I found the voice of the podcast introducing Logan Kim. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it didn't work out that way. And I'm OK bones. with that because I'm glad you're here. Um, and I'm also confident you're probably going to distract us throughout the movie by whipping out weird prototypes and waving them at us. And that's kind of your gimmick. So, yes, prototypes. yes prototypes and other things (laughs) what a gimmick (laughs) hey it's a good one i i like it It i think that you should do this in the real world honestly i think that you should have a bag of toys that you have currently in production that you just carry around with you and then you go to like a bank and when people are standing there having a conversation about getting a loan you just pop up next to them and you slowly hold like a a muncher at them or something yeah or like yeah or that kind of thing a, a kenner uh or car or rather not a kenner but a real ghostbusters uh cartoon looking slimer that you previewed on instagram a few a couple was a few weeks ago i mean not, uh, or, you know real ghostbusters so real nice. ghostbusters ish green ghost i mean yes. you know kenner ish copyright ish yes yeah. in the <laughs> in the, very of, much in the style of yes. in the style 100%. of inspired by um mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Inspired by, but not made by. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, I'm so stoked that you are all here. I've said this a million times, but I really genuinely mean this, that you've all contributed so much to the podcast. And for those of you listening out there and you're like, hey, what about somebody else who could have been on the podcast? Like, yeah, there's a lot of people who could have been because a lot of people came on the podcast in the first year Um, and you can't have everybody on a DVD commentary uh, that, you know, this isn't a DVD. That's weird. I'm like, it's a DVD commentary. (laughs) Who uses DVDs anymore? It's a movie commentary. But um, 
it's hard to, you know, have like everybody on. In fact, at one point, Chris Stewart was hoping to join us for the, for this. Uh, and he, I wasn't able to, and I said, you know, I may do this and get some more people. And he was like, you should be careful about that. <laughs> and I went, you're a guy who's actually made a fan commentary. That's actually on a DVD. Um, so I'm going to listen <laughs> to your advice. So if you're wondering like, why didn't you go get 10 people to do this? Because it made sense to do it with, uh, you know, the four of us. And there's, I want to say this, like my plan for the future is like, I want to come back every 46 episodes. Like, I think this is like the new design. Like the thing we come out of a year is every 46 episodes, we come back and we celebrate the previous 45. And when we do it, we watch a movie we all like, and it doesn't be like, it can be a rotating panel of people. So like you guys are doing it the first time around, but like maybe the next time we do this, it's with three different people who've been on the podcast a bunch of times who are really awesome. And so, you know, if you didn't like, if you're out there, you're going like, why didn't you give me the call? I was sitting by my, my firehouse next to my red phone and my, you know, my Janine would have rung the bell and I would have come and done this commentary. Um, it's just because this is what worked out. <laughs> so next time I'm going to call you maybe because who am I going to call somebody who might be you um, and probably not He-Man, even though it's a birthday party for this podcast. Yeah. Um, that's one of those pieces that people will never know exists in the podcast. One of those rambling tales that gets edited out. It's live, everybody. Welcome <laughs> you to can a see it in the yard. All right. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to start this thing from the Sony logo. Uh, if you're listening out there and you want to listen to us talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, if you don't, then I don't know what you're here for for the rest of this, because that's what we're going to do. <laughs> like that's We're going to chat about Ghostbusters Afterlife while we watch it and share some stuff with you about how we feel about it, some random fun facts we've learned about it, um, and kind of give you a, just a conversation. These are all three people who've come on the show who have great story, who have great stories to tell about things and who've like got excellent knowledge about this film. One thing I do want to say is that there was a person who was supposed to join us tonight who was unable to, uh, and who I hope can join us in the future for something, and that's Austin Young, a.k.a. Ray Cameron on the internet from Central Oklahoma Ghostbusters, who was originally slated to join us and I had hoped would be here because he is sort of the prop master of the group of people. He's a guy who builds replicas and things, and so uh, when we get things wrong, or at least I do, about this, if you're listening, Austin... (laughs) Don't shout at your podcasting device. I'm sorry. I'm going to do my best in your absence because I was great. I was hopeful that you would be around to be like, this is why that prop looks the way it does rather than me trying to riff on those things. And I'm joking, but I'm really grateful for Austin too, even though he wasn't able to make it tonight. Um, As you all know, he is eventually making robes for anyone who hits five times. And Tony has pointed out, (laughs) this is actually his fifth episode. If you include the one he did with Baducci, although if you were a listener of the podcast a few weeks ago when he was on, I did say he didn't get to count that, that visit as a unique one. So uh, for him, technicalities, technicalities. I I think this could be my fourth. It it might be. I don't Mm. know. (laughs) I don't think this robes thing is necessarily happening unless we all start giving Austin some serious money. Um, I I just want Tony and I to meet in New York and like wear robes and do like, Horrible Hugh Hefner impressions. Now, my idea was it was a very heavy robe that was like on the inside. There's an Alice frame attached to it. And the only way (laughs) to actually wear the robe is you put on the Alice frame with the straps and everything. And that's how you wear it. That's a fantastic idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get this movie started, you made me think of something I want to mention really quick, which is that one of the things I had hoped to talk about with Austin was a few weeks ago, um, some like science museum posted the first ever kidney dialysis machine. That was like the first ever mobile kidney pump. That's what it was. The first mobile insulin pump. And if you looked at the photo, <laughs> it was clearly an Alice frame. 
with the shoulder pack and it was an insulin pump pack. And I was like, oh my God, somebody needs to put a Ghostbusters spin on this. <laughs> like it just here, this is the pack we're using to raise awareness for juvenile diabetes. We've got the insulin pump pack. It's going to be awesome. So if you're a builder out there and you want to create that, um, go look at that video, that photo, because it's like an old piece of tech that totally deserves to be worked into a Ghostbusting environment, given that it's on an Alice frame already. Why not do it? So, and it's already a pack. It's already referred to as like an insulin pump pack. That goes on an action figure of some <laughs> sort. I'm sure that benefits some sort of nonprofit. Are either of you listening? Anyway, um, <laughs> Tom's look on his face right now is like, are you trying to throw like donation demands at me? Yes, I am. I'm trying to give you an obligatory charity event to do. I'm kidding. But um. <laughs> no, I think somebody's going to do a cosplay wearing that pack now, but dressed as Wilford Brimley. Yes. Aww. With a big mustache because he did those diabetes commercials. Yeah, there you go. Brilliant. I feel like that's going to be. <laughs> it's, somebody's going to pick it, that look, up. Look, we have to, we have to do something to offset the damage of Twinkies over the years. Okay. It's like the, Nick, the cigarette companies, they had to go pay for, uh, you know, anti-smoking advertising and pay for the truth campaign. So if we start producing insulin pump packs, like, and put them out there in the world with charitable benefit, who knows? You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, now that we've said a terrible idea that no one should actually put into being <laughs> to begin episode 46 and celebrate the year. Um, why don't we watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, everybody? Yeah. All right. So we're going to start the movie. If you're listening out there from the Sony logo. So on uh, my world, here, at least on my device, I have got the bright, actual full Sony logo on at eight seconds uh, into the video track from like Amazon or from, uh, I don't know, wherever else you're getting it from. There's plenty of places. It's on Hulu right now. You can watch it on Stars if you don't have it right now. You can actually go start a seven day trial using a podcast code. I'm just kidding. I don't have any advertising. Um, <laughs> no one pays me, <laughs> but you can go on Stars and get a seven day trial um, and watch the movie if you need to and then cancel it. Uh, but yeah, there, I'm just, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably own it. So uh, eight seconds is probably about where you're looking to start the movie at. Uh, if you're looking at the whole Sony logo, are we all ready to do this? I'm good. All right. Ready to go. We're going to count down in five, four, three, two, one, play. The Sony logo is zooming towards me rapidly and is transitioning into the Columbia logo. I was, when I was in the theater, I'm not sure where you all saw this movie the first time you saw it, but I was at the friends and family premiere event. Mm -hmm. And the, when this began at the beginning of the movie and the Columbia logo came in with the sounds of that, you know, the sort of whistling sounds in the background, it was very overwhelming. <laughs> very. I actually got to see it in New York at the premiere. I was a lucky to receive an invite with the SFSOM and got to actually see it in New York City at the premiere. Nice. That's awesome. I it was I have to say it was really great to see it uh, in L.A. and. I have said this before, but I got to watch this movie in a row of seats with Ivan Reitman, which um, was very, very emotional for me, even though it probably was way too parasocial. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> How did you like going into these first moments, this movie, like I, I wasn't sure what to expect. And one of the things that I still don't know, and I don't think anybody knows is who this actor is. Oh, drives me nuts. I cannot figure it out. <laughs> Like no, what he'll talk. We know Bob Gunton plays Egon in ghost form. Yeah. But this, this like last moments of Egon Spengler's life 
No one has, we, no one's ever identified who this person is and we never see their face. And so it's still driving me crazy um, that I had this very emotional moment with this character, like that when this happened on screen and what's about to happen took place in the theater, I was really emotionally overwrought in the first 90 seconds of this movie and or whatever. And I still to this day, I'm like, I have no idea who this actor is that made me feel like so overwhelmed, you know? Yeah. I had heard a rumor of, of who it might have been, and I actually reached out to the person and uh, I, I won't name any names, but I sent them a photo and said, hey, I heard you played this role in Ghostbusters, you know, and I wrote them a letter and they sent it back to me and they signed it. And they're like, I've never been in a Ghostbusters movie, but you can have my autograph. And then they signed it. <laughs> That's cool. The that trap nice photo. That's funny. Yeah, nice guy. But I mean, it kind of adds to the mystique, though, like not knowing, right? Like, yeah. 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 Best intro to a Ghostbusters movie ever, though. It really is like there's a lot of tension here, like there's way more tension here than there is at the beginning of the other two movies. I saw this for the first time in New York at uh, New York Comic Con, and I I just remember realizing (laughs) what we were looking at when it finally occurred to me who it was. Yeah. And just like starting to convulse in a way. (laughs) Well, I strangely, I, uh, I didn't go to the New York Comic Con. Uh, I was thinking about it, turned it down, you know, stupid me. Uh, and then uh, when it came to the actual premiere, um, again, I, it was something where I just thought, you know what? I should probably be at home covering the news, covering the stories and everything. And let me tell you, I wound up watching the movie for the first time at like a hole in the wall, just a theater with a group of friends. I mean, great experience overall, but uh, definitely not the, uh, you know, the, the, the majesty Definitely what uh, some of you guys saw it the first, the first time. Well, I I will say that watching this scene and sort of like watching this unfold that for me was this sort of visceral thing, because I don't know about you all, but as much as I'm Vank maniac on the Internet, I am very much Spangler maniac in real life. <laughs> like I only oh, play yeah. Vank maniac 100%. on Instagram. You know, it's like I think <laughs> so many of us are very much Egon people, you know, and he's the character that I would dress up as, as a kid on Halloween, you know, but I love this shot of the boot, like with all the tears in the boot that show the weathering and whatnot over time. Yeah. This fog is amazing. This, the fog. I remember Jason Reitman talked about this in the big head, uh, DVD or big head commentary they did for big head club. That fog is practical except for the terror dog. They used dry ice. And so they composited this together to make it look that good. Which is pretty amazing. The only time we get to see the spectral terror dog. Yeah, there were some of the photos that got released from set with uh, McKenna Grace, like surrounded by the fog. Yeah. Yep. I feel like there's so much cut out of this movie. Oh, yeah. Like I, you know, just from seeing bits and pieces. Yeah. Well, the cu- and whatever. I mean, there's uh, there's discussion of what may have taken place in this scene that, you know, may have ended up on cutting room floors that I've heard from folks and things. But like that's I left the open debate of did he do it to himself or not, uh, which we're not going to answer tonight, everybody. So if you're one of those people out there who's <laughs> who's privy to the debate about does Egon commit suicide to avoid the terror dog? Um, I don't care. This was really emotional for me when it happened. And I was like, he's gone. And then the PKE meter lit up. When I was in the theater and I was like, but he's not, he's, and I was immediately, I understood the message of he's just died, but it's okay. He's still here. He's still part of the story. And it was a really emotional thing. And I hearkened back to being at FanFest. Um, at FanFest, somebody asked Ivan Reitman, you know, how do you feel about the fact that Harold Ramis has passed while you're making this movie? And he just stopped and paused and he said, you know, Harold is always with us. And that 
was something that rang true at the beginning of this movie for me. I don't know. So. We just got the introduction to uh, Finn Wolfhard and Carrie Coon. Yeah. McKenna Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU, uh, the containment unit is a pretty small group, but we did uh, take one photo of Finn holding our patch and he had like these red highlights at the signing we did and it went viral. <laughs> uh, and I got likes from all around the planet from from uh, accounts I never would have considered. That's funny. Uh, I was trying to figure out today because I watched the movie earlier today in preparation for this, what he's eating at the beginning of the scene. And it appears he's eating French toast with no utensils and dunking it into a plate of syrup. And yes. one of his hairs from his mother cutting his hair <laughs> yeah, has fallen one, in. Huh? And I, I think it's mm. funny because I'm like, that is such a Jason Reitman shot. It's like this quick, like, let's look at the unfolding scene of what's happening here that I'd feel like would not have been in the original Ghostbusters. It would have been something that got cut. Yeah. I mean, one good thing, though, I, I think with every Ghostbusters film, um, they do such an amazing job at setting up the characters like in their first scene. Like, you know exactly who they are, their personality, everything. Yeah. Uh, typically within that first like minute or two of just their introduction, at least the leads. Yeah. You get a very clear like depiction of this family. And I love the way Phoebe talks to her mother. She's just like very matter of fact, like you're not good with money. <laughs> like <laughs> if I ever talk to my mom that way, she'd be like, what? But Phoebe Spangler is like, yeah, you're not good at money, but your quesadillas are awesome. You know, Finn, so. Finn Wolfhard there with the disappearing backpack. <laughs> yeah. You have to forgive some things at times in movies. <laughs> they- We're movie fans. We forgive nothing. <laughs> we're, we're in the the, what, the age of AI, right? They could have just slapped a pack on the back of there. <laughs> if they created an AI pack pack, it would have been like all inside out and it would have had five straps on it, but would have kind of looked like a backpack that was scary. Uh, <laughs> do it in Adobe. Find the best of the three options. You're fine. You can see the, see the mountain in the background. Yeah. So like when you first saw like the photo of Finn Wolfhard, right, that they released like the the family photo and you saw Trevor T. Swizzle Spengler for the first time, (laughs) did you immediately pick up on it? Like, hey, this is this is a a relative of Harold or Egon? I mean, honestly, I kind of did. It was from my standpoint, I always thought it was weird that they like originally, I think many of us thought when they said, oh, there's a. There was this farmhouse in the first trailer. People like it must be Ray's house. It must be the house that like his parents had, you know, left him. And now it had three mortgages. But like, as I looked at the trailer, I was like, no, like this makes sense that this is going to be like Egon's family because he's the one character who, you know, you have to he's not around to like represent it. So you have to do something with him narratively to set up the story. Um, So, yeah. And I think they did a good job of casting to, you know, to create likeness. And then obviously like McKenna Grace looks nothing like Harold Ramis, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it does not look like one of his, she would be like one of his offspring or, uh, you know, forebearers, whatever. But they did such an amazing job here of making them feel like authentic people and real people. I feel like she has Violet's vibe, Violet Ramis. Yeah. Yeah. Like just with the, with the hair and I don't know, you see those pictures in the book that Violet wrote and it, it just feels like that was definitely their, the direct inspiration. I also love that this group, kid I'd walks say, right? around with a lock picking kit. Just, she just has one <laughs> at all times. <laughs> like, <laughs> and her mom doesn't question it either. No, it's become a hobby. She supports her kid in her hobbies. It's, you know, <laughs> just not in science, just not in science. Just <laughs> the symmetrical book stacking. Yes. So, uh, 
one of the things that I find interesting here is how they had to do the work to go back and change these numbers because of the pandemic. Um, because the original numbers were, you know, leading up to 2020 and they mm-hmm. had to go back and change things. I just saw a terror dog statue get held up. I thought somebody was going to make one of those at one point. <laughs> yeah, someday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The house is shaking. You're yep. tuning in now and you're like, what's happening? I, I started late. It's okay. You're just coming to the movie. Uh, <laughs> the table's shaking and the kids are under it. This is like, what's funny about this is that this is all practical, just shaking a table. There's like, yeah. no, there's nothing going on here other than shaking a camera and shaking a table to make that work. Just great. And then, of course, if you look at her shirt, if you don't, for folks who may not know this, the Easter egg of her shirt is that it's actually all of the logos from the Zenner cards, which is kind of cool. So I want to what if. The what if is what if he got to the PKE meter first? Hmm. Hmm. I'm also just kind of curious as to the, uh, you know, corners, what have you, removing, removing the body. I mean, they must have done like a horrible job. (laughs) (laughs) Just, (laughs) just invest. Obviously, there was no investigation, so. I really wish we got more to this. Yes. Yeah. Queen Annie Pops. Yes. It feels like it, it cuts off right when you're just, ah. But her outfit, I just love it. She's, it's, it's, she's screaming Janine though. It's, it's amazing. I'm really hopeful she's going to have a bigger part in, um, in the next movie in Firehouse or whatever it will eventually be called. And if you're listening to this in the future, you already know. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I really wanted to see so much more of her in this film. And I mean, we do get to mm-hmm. see her back at the end, you know, in the sort of post credits stuff that happens. But I think that she probably had a lot more in this film. We just didn't get to see it. So. Yeah, she was like second billing, wasn't she at one point? Like it was her and Ernie were the only returning names mm-hmm. on some poster. Yep. They must have cut a lot. I remember early on people were trying to decide if like she was going to be the grandmother of these kids. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a it's, funny uh, idea. Yeah. It is interesting to like to, to wonder if they're gonna dive into that at all. Like, you know, come come the sequel when it initially hits. Yeah. But um No. It, it is a good, good little story point, point though. Uh, the fact that so far we don't know, uh, there is that kind of, you know, hidden area, that hidden aspect of, uh, the background and everything. You can definitely add like another layer to the Spangler family. Well, and the other part of it is like, what was, uh, Janine's relationship with Egon? If everybody else had been so like distant from him and was completely out of communication with him, but she was managing his finances or what little there was to kind of keep the lights on as she puts it, then what you know was she was she far away did she come all the way from new york to meet them or was she living like somewhere else in oklahoma like where's she been um so i i would like to know more about where janine was during all of this and i hope we get to hear a little bit of it also it would be helpful for her to like warn them over the fact that you know there may be like an ecto-1 in the barn and uh, there's like <laughs> nuclear tanks on top of it and you know maybe be, yeah, like, be careful this- you have to assume she knows, right? Like if she knows the state of the house and everything that's going on, like she has to, yeah. which is odd. Like what is her, like if in that case, like she has still a friendship with Winston, but you know, and she can call Ray on the phone, presumably, but they're like, we won't talk to Egon. <laughs> She's like, I know where he is. He's with the car in Oklahoma. Well, that's the thing. If he, yeah, if he, if she's talking to Winston, why is she not the one telling Ray 
that Egon has passed away, right? Hey, continuity, plot points, these are things for talk and debate, you know? Sometimes you just have to sit back and just enjoy the movie and not All think. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. Don't pull the thread lest the sweater unravel. Hey, yes. just, uh-huh. I'm just trying to inspire new debates on GB fans. That's why we made this podcast for commentary. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's just it's a uh, it's a miracle and a feat in and of itself that this movie even exists. I agree. And yeah. So I just appreciate it and enjoy it for what it is. They should do a comic book or something that fills in that 30 year gap and then everybody will be happy. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love it. They're not going to take time in a movie to do it mm. because you have yeah. all these new characters yeah. that need to, to shine. That would be great. This is Jim's favorite character, though, right here. One of my favorites. <laughs> here she is. Roller granny. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Tom, did you did you meet her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Danielle, right. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she was very captivated by the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah, had a lot of fun. Not that I should take credit for that signing happening or anything. You, you should 100% take credit for that signing, yes. <laughs> and if for the hoax who've never heard that story, I that happened largely because I sent her an, an email or, or an Instagram thing. I can't remember what it was, but we, we made a meme out of her saying, nope, that's what it was. J.D. Raymer, friend of the podcast, J.D. Raymer made a meme out of her and we posted it and sent it to her and she was tickled by it and we ended up messaging back and forth and I kind of said, like, you've now joined a club of people who, a bunch of weirdos, like us will love forever because you've been a character in our movie. <laughs> and like, thank you so much for your performance and um, kind of opened up a dialogue and it was kind of cool. So kind of a jerk move. Ghost Egon knocking the yeah. chessboard off. He's, like you know, he's pretty aggressive. A little more subtle ways to do that, but nope. Like a cat just knocking things off. Yeah, you have to wonder if like, was it towards <laughs> the end? Was he just like knocking things over angrily when he walked around the house? <laughs> how did we not get a chess tie-in like board game for this i know like a, a right there was, like, there was clue there was clue but i mean like i want like a chess set i mean yeah this movie itself like ghostbusters chess set you say hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> welcome to the phantasm toys tcu toys brainstorming session <laughs> brought to you by Since ghostbusters here, gonna, might have to, we might have to start saying dibs this was a good misdirect though it was funny i i I did laugh out loud when this happened the light goes out yeah what i think is funny about the light going out is this i believe is the light on his phone right Um, yeah which does not work because there is no coverage right and his phone (laughs) dies and as the phone dies it goes click like a flashlight being turned off (laughs) yeah it's got a weird noise yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's such an odd little thing but it works it like feels like it belongs there even though your phone never makes that noise when you turn it off you know i know a prop guy isn't here but they built that entire farm how have yeah. how are we not yeah. looking at ebay auctions with like a chunk of the house inside because and out i think it has to be somewhere like it has to, i think it has to be like a set that gets built for a soundstage because they remember they took it back to the soundstage they too. did it yeah. twice they, they built they it, took twice. it apart and they brought it all the way back to like put it on a soundstage and do all of the mm-hmm. end of the movie stuff right so um i thought they built two no it's the same house they took it apart i believe and they put it i, mean, I could be wrong really? somebody out there will like correct me in the future if this is a commentary you hear i'll get email after email it's like remember when you said this somewhere around 31 minutes and 22 seconds in the commentary where you said that the house was <laughs> the same one it wasn't uh but i'm pretty sure it was um yeah that's like one of the craziest feats is that they not only built it once but they built it twice so 
I imagine it exists somewhere. Are you allowed to get a job when you're 15 years old? Uh, yeah, you can get a job when you're 15. Can you? earliest yeah, you can totally. work at a federal law level uh, in the United States, I believe, is 14, but you're restricted from doing certain jobs. You can't like. Um, is spinners a federal job? No, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't mean it's a federal job. I mean, federal policy on labor laws and child labor. I had a job when I was 14. I made the, the strategic and smart move to work as a janitor in my middle school after school. No, I didn't get beat up at all. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Can I can I say as someone who uh, like managed a retail store at one point in my life, uh, I, I don't want to like disrespect any young kids out there, but hiring a younger kid is an absolute pain in the neck. Just if you sell anything whatsoever, that is. You know, like a video game by chance, it's like mature rated, what have you there. <laughs> there is so many like little things they cannot do. There are so many like little small things. I understand. I Like, hey, if you're a little kid, you're looking for a job. I'd. I don't want you to hate me. I'm just saying I understand why people aren't hiring you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to go on a tangent. Yeah, if you're out there listening right now, you're like, I'm 14. I've been trying to get a work job at Taco Bell. What's the matter? Why are you so ageist? Well, that's the the GB News intern hopefuls are all uh, crying a tear. Meanwhile, this movie's like kids can be ghostbusters. Give them jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Food's a little different. I just knew he lied about his age. Yeah. I was wondering the logistics, but hey, Paul Rudd, how about yes, that? We kind of missed his arrival. Is, is and here's podcast. Who's going to Paul talk and Rudd to us about his podcast? He's going to say the things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Paul Rudd's appearance in this movie is fantastic. I, I love that he's in this film because uh, he's funny. I mean, he's just, he's but he I doesn't. I don't feel like I'm watching Ant-Man is the point. Like, I've, like as much as Paul Rudd brings Paul Rudd to every movie in the same way that Bill Murray can bring Bill Murray to every movie. Like, I don't feel like I'm watching the same character. And I so appreciate that, that Gruberson is his own like thing. He has his own weird sciencey gimmicky things. And I like it. So. I think I got just as pumped from his uh, little video announcing that he was going to be in the movie where yeah. he filmed it in front of the fire. I think I got pumped for that as I did for any of the trailers or anything yeah, else I did that too. was released where he said he slimed himself. That was classic. So one of the things <laughs> I hope for in firehouse is that we learn a lot more about podcasts. How do you think that shakes out? Are we, are we speculating or no? I mean, is it too early to I speculate? I think we could speculate. We should probably light on speculating just because we should talk about the movie we're watching rather than a different movie, but that's a good point. Yeah. I want to know more about this hardware guy. <laughs> yeah i know it's carrie coon's husband in real life mm-hmm. i do know that he has this but amazing this guy's delivery got a great coming line. up oh yeah <laughs> bizarre shit <laughs> <laughs> cujo <laughs> I like that when they start this scene, there's like, your school's still on VHS. As a public educator, I really appreciate this joke. <laughs> it's so smart, too, to make, you know, him like the, the Rick Moranis character, essentially. Could you imagine if we got Ghostbusters 3 in like 1999 and Chris Farley, instead of being a Ghostbuster or something along those lines, was the Rick Moranis yeah. character? Like, mm-hmm. it's casting him so off type. It's really smart. Right. Even to the level where she says, I thought you were a football coach. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is that a compliment? Or what are you trying to say about my intellect? Something? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so I want to know if they went out to like get some science consultation from like the production designers of what to put on this whiteboard because like trace equalization mean window. Like, what is all this stuff? I don't even <laughs> Maybe Dan Aykroyd just went nuts on the, the board. There's like Dan, write out technical stuff. <laughs> right now, people are running to their keyboards to Google in like surface consistent components. <laughs> that wink is amazing. I don't know how long mm, yeah. if like McKenna Grace practiced <laughs> that wink, but she winks she like, looks a like a weird ventriloquist doll. She doing... that's she looks like a weird doll you find at um at like thrift stores, you know, like have been around for thirty five years and only one of the blo- eyes moves anymore. Like that's. <laughs> I hope that the joke bit continues because it's yeah it's really really it's great. Really great. Yeah. Every joke is yeah. I've never seen anybody wink like that in anything like ever other than that. Wait, I don't know how she does that. It's so freaking funny. It almost looks like CGI. Like it, <laughs> it looks like the Ewoks yeah, in Return of like, the Jedi on the Blu-ray. <laughs> it's like too perfect. <laughs> how did he get talked into this? He's <laughs> just like in the freezer, just pulling apart frozen burgers. <laughs> do we we don't ever actually see any adult supervision inside this restaurant do we no no No. none whatsoever (laughs) so as much jason as you're like people don't want to hire teenagers because it's a hassle people who are supervising them don't even want to be there (laughs) well okay the a restaurant a totally different scenario there for that i mean any kid can like you know slot slop taco meat into a shell or make a cheeseburger. That's fine. <laughs> I love the grip tape there on uh, the microphone and everything like, you know, podcast. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. I love his <laughs> outfit. I just love that he's walking around with this mic like everywhere he goes on this giant recorder because <laughs> I'm like all the podcasting things you can buy are so small. They're all advertised as being you can carry it around your pocket and it doesn't take up a lot of space. And he's got this like bag of four track <laughs> equipment that then he's got to be like going home and doing like tape to, d- to digital or something. <laughs> but I mean, it, it kind of fits with him, though, because like if he's all about like conspiracy theories and such like that and everything, you know, Maybe he wouldn't use kind of like the newer style <laughs> right. technologies. Right. I mean, he uses a USB, obviously, but yeah. But when he when he records the podcast, he's also got to fit like record EVPs and other stuff, mm-hmm. presumably. So you can't yeah. do that with a, you know, digital mic. It doesn't work. You got to have analog equipment for that because that's how ghosts work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We just saw the. Uh... Yeah. Uh, Cannibal Girls reference mm-hmm. on the marquee there. Yeah. Reference to Ivan Reitman. Has anyone seen that? I have not actually. I have. I have I not have. either. Next commentary. Have, I, I have. I'm. I'm a sucker for Eugene Levy. Anything Eugene <laughs> oh, yeah. Levy. So. I love the podcast safety protocols where he just covers his face with a shirt. He's just hey. like, nope. <laughs> we're good. That works, I man. Do this. Now, for me, like this is the one scene. Like this is the very first scene in the film that, for me, really kind of like 
conjured up like that Ghostbuster vibe just with like that kind of like Bernstein score. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think this is like probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. Just podcast explaining the whole thing. Chandorian curse, all that. Yeah. I think about this scene sometimes and I wonder, did he just come down here to hang out often? Like, was this like, you know, how some kid, like there's a place in your neighborhood if you're a suburban kid growing up and it's like there was a development they were going to build, but then they ran out of money. So there's a whole bunch of foundations and random basements that they dug and people hang out there and do stuff like that's this for these kids in, you know, Shandor land in Somerville. <laughs> Not to like pull the thread, but it's a little it doesn't ring true for me that he understands and knows all of this about this Shandor cave, but he's never heard of the Manhattan Crossroads. It's weird. I feel like this this kid with a the podcast such as that would have some information. And I believe that he's also aware of wh- that everyone built the stuff in town, right? Because he lives in town. So like later on in the movie, mm-hmm. when they're sitting around in the diner and they're like, "Who's evil Shandor?" and he's like, "Oh, he's the guy who built everything around here." Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. This is the scene where you can look at it and go, which of those components came from the Ecto 1A and which did not? (laughs) I loved this part where he's just like. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the most important scenes in this entire movie for me. (laughs) <laughs> I mean this as much as I joke about this on a regular basis that what's about to happen is something that I need to, you know, complete my collection because there it is. There's the My Little Pony USB stick that has this podcast on it. But to me, like I have said this uh, like uh, many times that my favorite, this is one of my favorite scenes in this movie because this is like this just raw scene of like 12, 12 year old friendship, which is like making a new friend when you're in a weird kid. And meeting another weird kid <laughs> and and becoming friends and being like, OK, there's people like me in the world. That's kind of cool. And so I just love this scene. It's just like something that it feels like a very good feel good kind of moment. And, you know, a, an otherwise kind of weary world. So. <laughs> I love that he's like not going to stop her. He's like, I'll document it. It's fine. You might get just eaten by a dirt tornado or something, but I'm going to document it at least. All right. Well, there's a recent piece of technology he's holding. So that kind of hold it, you know, that kills the whole concept there. It does earlier. It also makes me wonder if he only uses it around Wi-Fi because there's no signal in town. Mm. <laughs> so. Or is it just that maybe they came from, you know, Illinois and given their state of not being able to pay their bills, they were like using, um, you know, like a, a fo- like temporary phones or something like pay to pay to play phones, like burner phones, yeah, like burner phones. <laughs> she was hiding all. So that's what it is, is. Callie was drinking lots of wine and she was hiding from the bill collector. She was just getting burner phones every month. <laughs> She's also hiding from her ex-husband, Oscar. <laughs> yes, Don't Oscar. Obviously, oh. her husband, Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> This is great. And he's just like, you're out of here. Get that shit out of here. (laughs) (laughs) This like piece of prop work that they did to kind of, you know, build the connection between the the two of them is really fun because we get to like iconically see the PKE meter and we have a relationship with it. And I think it's such a smart way to do this because you can't have the actor in the scene who you like 
but you can have a piece of equipment that you have a good relationship with that he used to carry around all the time. And it just kind of mm-hmm. creates that link for you as a fan to be like, okay, yeah, this is the right object. And as much as like, he'll show up in a lamp later. And we've like, there's jokes about how much people love lamp. Um, <laughs> like if you're into that in joke, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, but like this use of the PKE meter was really smart. I think to represent him throughout the film. Yeah. And like, I mean, it, it comes a little later here, but to an extent, like even some of the timing, like when she asks, you know, how did you build all this? And th- yeah. it highlights like the light highlights, like yeah. all of his, you know, credentials there on the, on the wall. Uh, the, just the timing of that. I mean, there, there's a comedic element to it. Jason Reitman's talked about this, that that lamp move mm-hmm. and we get to it. We'll, we'll kind of point it out. Um, they could best mom. They couldn't get an animatronic. They had to work <laughs> so that he actually did it by hand. Like they just leaned in and had an actor grab like the stunt guy or, or the prop guy grab the lamp and just puppet it, which is kind of hilarious. But yeah, you're right. She's like completely assed out. She's bad with money. <laughs> she's drinking lots of booze. Doesn't represent her particularly well as a mom. You have to be like, you have to be real. And even like she goes on a date. She's like, let's go out on a date. Let's go drinking. <laughs> so we're going to see what happens with uh, with mom <laughs> in, in the uh, next movie, maybe. So we does that leave Gruberson as the only responsible adult in town? <laughs> potentially. <laughs> it's potentially. I mean, it seems like he at least knows that he's got to take care of students, even if he doesn't really want to be there. <laughs> Here's. Here's Phoebe opening up her HasLab pack. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is what it looks like when you open your HasLab trap from the floor. No, when you get your HasLab pack, you were right. They did have the the yeah, fake they... floor that you would open up the mm-hmm. pieces of that made it. If you wanted to test your HasLab pack and you bought a second one, made it a real pain because <laughs> you had to get through all that stuff. But you're <laughs> unboxing because you were having your experience. It was really great. So this, this idea awesome. of like we're going to force the doors open on the trap with a ruler is hilarious. <laughs> he's so excited like how do you not know this what's wrong with you (laughs) so in the original trailer the uh the smoke or energy or whatever that pops out of the trap was green do you think they changed that do you think that was a fugazi for the trailer or do you think that was a change mm, yeah i would think so probably for you know hey it's slimer it's um it's another thing actually that jason reitman talks about in the big head club commentary believe it or not um, not that I mentioned you just like, thanks for setting me up to talk about things I know. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, he talked about this, that in many different points that like the pit was also green, blue in color. And if you look at the mm. poster, it's green, blue. And the reason for that is that Sony's marketing department believes that that color reads well as ghosts and ghostly supernatural things for audiences. Uh, despite the fact that it doesn't represent the narrative universe in which the movie takes place. He openly says in the big head club commentary that he argued about it and lost the argument and that the marketing department went with the blue green, but that they, they were very, the Gill and he and Gil commented, they were very, very grateful that the marketing department upheld like the rest of the vision and narrative of the movie to make sure it was consistent in marketing what they were putting out there. But that that was one of the oddities in that was that they changed to blue green because that tests better with audiences as quote unquote supernatural. Was was that footage that they saw on YouTube? Was that some of the stuff that they had unearthed 
when they started the f- the filming process and the and the yes. salt mine or whatever yeah. the the dailies or the cut footage or yep. whatever it was. It's all unused yeah. B-roll stuff from the first movie that came out of the scanning that they did of that. So then we went out to the go get the stuff from I think he said during Ghostbusters Day or Ghostbusters Blah, fan fest that's the thing it's called mm-hmm. um that they that was like a, they went out to like kansas or something to go get that stuff yeah so oh yeah it's crazy like somewhere in the middle of the country there's just repositories of american culture and fo- film artifacts that just like it's in a bunker somewhere under the grounds of tornadoes yeah it's like it. in a cave yeah 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 like <laughs> yeah. a mountain I love this whole we're going to power the trap with 12 volt and it ha- just pa- apparently works that way. You can just run 12 <laughs> volt batteries to the trap and it loads up. <laughs> and knowing what he knows about Ghostbusters, he's aware and he still wants to do this in a honest school car. parking lot. Yeah, it's <laughs> honest punk rock. Did you hear him talk about <laughs> punk rock it is a minute ago? That's the whole deal. Science is dangerous. And that's where you go. He's not the only responsible adult in town. He's not even <laughs> like <laughs> And put the miner in a driver's seat of a school bus and. <laughs> yeah. They did such a good job of like making the trap feel like the it had been through battle there. It's very well weathered. Yes. Zoom. This is very so technically cool. all the events following is Gruberson's fault. Yeah, I mean, theoretically. Yeah. He's the idiot who opens the <laughs> trap. <laughs> so it makes me question uh, Egon's intentions. Like, why was he pointing the trap out? Like, like why shouldn't did he it have just stayed yeah. trapped? Why would he tell him about it? Or does, like, the trap only have power for a certain amount of time? Maybe He's he was worried. Maybe he was worried the trap would fail and that they would all be in danger. Sorry. You know? Pulling threads. No, I don't think I think it's a fair question. <laughs> I think it's I, look, that's what I love. I love nitpicking stuff and you can love things and nitpick them at the same time. It's totally true. Like you can this if you're if you're a Star Trek fan, you movie, have to be though. able to do that because Star Trek will contradict itself. <laughs> this scene is great. I love him just like basking in the time. sun. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> when he sets up the ambiance here and he's walking in. <laughs> what are you doing he's offering color commentary (laughs) i also like that they've moved in the house the books are still all stacked like nobody has bothered to be like maybe we should do something with all this stuff stacked around they're just living around it yeah i when it comes to like (laughs) when it comes to like films like this and like you know you ever have like that move-in scenario and it's like a creepy old house there's always that kind of room of just you just kind of have to accept it, I think, because like I, yeah. I, I kind of think back to uh, the Burbs yeah. where you have, you know, the Tom Hanks film. You've got this family that moves in. Apparently, you know, they may have killed the previous owners, but the house is just in disarray. Like were right. the previous owners like that or was it the family that may have killed them? You know, like, yep. I think about this scene. This kind of evokes the vibes of the Goonies house to me. Like yeah. the, the, the Goonies yeah. house in the state of being packed up with all the stuff around the kids and then they go up in the attic and there's stuff everywhere. It has the very, you know, very strong kind of like adventure film of crazy packed house to it that I like. Scenes like this make my eyes hurt because they're just darting around the background trying to see all the everything stuff. I can. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I recall when uh, Adam Savage was releasing like his onset, you know, videos uh, from this area and like pausing like every little single frame. And uh, it's crazy, too, because like they, they totally did like the entire kitchen and you don't really even see it in the film. And that's where like the toaster and like so many <laughs> other items are. Mm-hmm. They never made it in there to drink the hot cocoa with the rum. Or maybe they did. We just got <laughs> it just got cut, you know. Janine gets tanked, table dancing. <laughs> <laughs> if you were this kid and you had a podcast and somebody gave you this book, you would be like, I have three seasons done. I guess it's all the material I need. <laughs> Are we to assume that this is Tobin's? I believe so. Yeah, through? I think so. It could be Spade's catalog feel like they were going to give that like a close up and it got cut right because of the video game packaging and like, you never the... get to see the cover of the book yeah yeah i feel like there's a really nice prop out there we haven't gotten to see yeah yeah i i it could be spades catalog i don't know well the figure came with the uh the tobins right like that was like the same book and everything yeah it did come with a book I so think. somebody I think somebody right. did come with yeah. tobins yeah and it doesn't yeah. look like the video games version yeah That's a car that belongs in Oklahoma. Yes. I love all these <laughs> actors that are in here because if you ever see, like if you ever Google Ghostbusters, like under like Google news, um, occasionally one of them will get a job or like a new role and it'll just be like, and da 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 da, who starred in Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> and it's just, you'll like look it up on your movie database and it was like, yeah, Finn Wolfhard's friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if these kids have names. Like uh, the one of the one of the gals, she's in the show. Uh, what is it? Reservation Dogs. And I know she's been hitting it pretty big. I don't I mean, I don't mean names in the industry. I mean, names as characters. <laughs> like, are these people <laughs> names, names now? in general? Did they become names? Yeah. Did they actually do anything after this? No, I mean, like, do they have character names um, that we just never learned? There's somebody credited as Thick Neck <laughs> on IMDb. <laughs> Jim, they're, they're just all AI. That's all. <laughs> They're just AI performers. No, no. And this is exactly something I would do at this age was sneak off somewhere and find the most dangerous spot there is there and sit there and chill. And yeah. (laughs) It's abandoned suburban places. Well, that about sums it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Celeste O'Connor, you know, it, she was relatively new when this started, but now she's she's going to be in a Spider-Man movie. Really? Really? Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Madam Web. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. Her career really, uh, really taken off. Yeah. That's, I mean, really, with the the younger age, I mean, with the, the TikToks and the Twitters and everything, um, we're we're going to see such like a new younger fan base. And I mean, like just like obviously Finn Wolfhard and now McKenna yeah. Grace, like they've got such a hardcore devoted fan. I mean, or fan base, like I post something of just Finn Wolfhard and like that post like lights up or people just take the image and repost it, you know, a million <laughs> times over. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like such a hardcore fan base and even Paul Rudd to, to a degree. See, this pit was green in the trailer and that burst was like blue green in the trailer too. This was not orange in the trailer. This was a thing marketing attacked as well. <laughs> so was that Muncher? 
Um, that got out. I don't know. Like, I don't really think it's clear. Like, what that is. The the because it's yeah. I don't because the is, terror but... dogs are still there until right. one goes to Walmart. So the next ghost you see is Muncher. He's got to go get some so, eggs and, you know, a loaf of bread. I love this map. This map's great. So cool. It's one of my favorite pieces of Ghostbuster props. Yeah, it's a really great piece of, like, lore, you know, that you could do. Yeah, I wish it was more involved with. in the movie. I love the way it looks. <laughs> I remember that one of the most exciting things when people bought the Reebok shoes came out around this movie. Oh, yeah. Was that oh, came, yeah. Oh, they yeah. came in the map. <laughs> I bought that pair for, for the map. <laughs> people were like, I hate these shoes, but this map is great. <laughs> Now, here's another mm-hmm. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with all the stuff Egon took, did he also take the pole from the firehouse? <laughs> I've, I've asked the same <laughs> did question. Tear the pole down and throw it in the back of the Ecto, like leave the door open. And I just have asked the same question. Like, like, where Oklahoma. did he get a fire pole from? Like, was that was <laughs> yeah. some of the bizarre shit? Was he was like, I need a gold <laughs> fire pole, like a gold painted one. But yeah, it looks like the fire pole from the firehouse. Like, just yeah, taken it's, out. it's very similar. Didn't Murray actually have a fire pole in his house? Jason, do you remember anything about this from like 10 years ago? Uh, I believe so. It was like one of his house that uh, I think when it, when it was being sold, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like Bjork had owned it or something. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, fire pole from Ghostbusters. That I'm does pretty sound sure he familiar. did. That's hilarious. However, if, I mean, if he legit took the fire pole, I mean, that is a dick move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that's I told a, you we're not making a third one. That would be a straight middle <laughs> finger right to Ray. Is what yeah. that would have been. Yeah, if Egon takes the fire pole, like that's, I mean, beyond like 16 ounces of fuel isotope or whatever. Um, <laughs> all right, so this is my stupid yes. fanboy moment. I'm just going to say this for a second. I love that we got to see the collection of spores and molds and fungus. And oh, yeah. This is part of what set off my like, my weird Ghostbusters connected sourdough baking was I was like, Egon Spengler would totally would have been a sourdough baker. He's got to like have cultures yeah. and, you know, grow things. He could totally bake sourdough. That's what he does when he's not busting ghosts. He's got a bun in the oven and, you know, he's doing research. This shot made us probably all openly weep in the first trailer, right? Yeah. Or second trailer. Oh, yeah. But I did wonder just how old this candy bar was. Like, (laughs) how long has it been in there? Is that a climate control basement? Have ants gotten to it yet? These are important questions. This is such a cool shot with her looking through the glasses. So when I was at New York Comic Con, when they did the surprise screening, uh, this lampshade was on eBay or one of them. Yeah. And I, when I was sitting there in the in the uh, theater and it popped up, I was like, if that's what I think it is, I'm buying it as soon as we walk out. And it was. Did you get so it? So I have that in my closet. <sighs> I have no idea what to do with it. It's just sitting <laughs> He's there. not with us right now. But Austin was the first person I knew who identified which lamp it was because. He's such a, he's so amazing at prop identification, but he figured out what lamp it was. I'm pretty sure. And so, yeah, this is what I was talking about um, earlier is that they had built some sort of like puppet or wireframe armature to do this scene with. And Jason was unhappy with how the, how it moved. He didn't feel it moved naturally enough to seem like it was, you know, like a human touch to it. And so in the end, they ended yeah, up I just, was I, I did not like it at all. Yeah, I don't mean you. I mean, yeah. Jason Wright. <laughs> <laughs> I'll specify better. My apologies. But yeah, so instead they did it with by hand. 
I'm not a huge prop guy. I mean, I love the props, but as far as building them and yeah, uh, this part when she opened it up, my brain exploded. Oh yeah, and the first time I saw that, it was like somebody showing you what's actually in there, right? Like we've never conceptualized <laughs> that what that scene, would look like. Geigometer, sniffer. Yep. I think a toaster. Yep. And I think the flashlights they take down to the subway in Ghostbusters too yep. is there as There's well. There's so much stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a lot the of Ghostbusters two canon scene. <laughs> this is great that like on YouTube. They're just yeah. somebody. Has, <laughs> this is how that's it would like, be. And that this would is be accurate. Like, in that context, that's got to be a channel that does like I scan old commercials from VHS and archive them for the future. Like, I wanted to click those other videos. I want to see them. I want to see what those other videos are. I think it, you uploaded can, by you Dinosaur Dracula. How many how many views does that video have? <laughs> What I'm curious about is like, is there a Ray Parker Jr. music video that exists? The the song is canon because oh, Ray and that's, Winston that's played I mean. in Ghostbusters too, so the the so song exists in universe. Did, did Ray Parker cut like an actual music video for Ghostbusters? Then just no movie involved. It would make sense. Whoa! It totally. So if it, there was, they, they totally could use it because they appear in the in the music video in suits, so hmm. it could totally be. Be 100% canon, the music video itself. Would would Dan Aykroyd or Bill Murray be in a in-universe commercial if they weren't, like if those actors exist in the Ghostbusters universe, yeah. would they have been big enough stars at the time to be in the Ray Parker music video? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Star of meatballs. <laughs> but... <laughs> I uh yes. I, I think it's funny that that is the only music video that Ivan Reitman ever directed. He directed that? Yes. Yeah. The Ghostbusters music video. No he they couldn't find a director no for way. it. So he was like, I'll do it. <laughs> and that's like how kind of why if you look at how it got done, it's like, hey, they're marching down the street in Times Square and they're not wearing some of the stuff they're supposed to be <laughs> wearing. <laughs> because they basically ran out and shot that like how they did other things, like oh, show up, do it, leave. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what ever happened to like that house facade, like like at the beginning of that music video where they go like the girl enters and everything. There's like that whole <laughs> elaborate set that you everything see it for like five seconds. Neon. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like wondering because oh, like, the sound gives me goosebumps. Who, who oh, else so could good. have been a star if we were making that video today? If you did the same style of video for Afterlife, who would have been like the walk on stars of the Chevy Chases of today? <laughs> <laughs> Chevy Chase. <laughs> well he might shuffle on I don't know if he's going to walk on we'll see <laughs> I appreciate this like kind of little thing they did here of being like yeah it really is hard to unholster and reholster a proton pack it's really difficult you ever wear one <laughs> like, <laughs> you need mm-hmm. a friend to do that for you <laughs> it's not so much the getting it off it's the putting it back on it's putting it back on you're right this is yeah. impossible <laughs> These goggles on his head. It's just so funny. <laughs> oh, God. It looks so good. He has such a tiny head in relationship to them. It would be such an amazing HasLab if they had it with a functional camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. This scene in the trailer was something that, like, you saw the two of them doing this, and I was like, oh, my God, this movie's going to be so fun. 
<laughs> first time I saw that, it was like in a German trailer or something, and he was speaking German. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> it was mind blowing. They're like, "Oh my god, it takes pictures now!" Yes. Oh my goodness, that's gonna be great. And I love that it's so analog. But then I thought to myself, I was like, "Well, how many more shots does he have left? Can you even get Polaroid film? <laughs> you can do that like three more times, that's and then the, it's over." That's the one picture they had. I recall too, like some people like angry and just like losing their minds over the fact that like her shoulder straps are not backwards. Yeah. yeah. But that's what would happen if you put a proton pack on the first yeah. time. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've put one on like hundreds of times and I still do it. <laughs> I'm coming. Yeah, this scene's great. And this is, you know, folks who don't, may not know this, this is Josh Gad basically doing the voice of Munter throughout this entire movie. So all these weird noises and guttural things are things that josh gad made come out of his face <laughs> i don't know but this is like such an odd thing it's like it's just a warehouse just hey it's here you, sh- you should find this warehouse jim and go back there and record your halloween episode <laughs> do a live show like, like podcast just said i've got to go to canada for that jason should go hey <laughs> <laughs> I just come to you live. I'm coming Little to you live setup. from Rust City. I uh, sometimes wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning screaming, thinking about the <laughs> fact that we did not get Muncher Twinkies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was and unfortunate. Like, we were so robbed of him becoming like an actual mascot because I can't see him coming back for the next film. I mean, if we're going back to New York, I would think Slimer or, you know, something new threat ish. Um, I, I just, Muncher got, I'm just sad. I'm just sad over how he got the short end of the stick. Yeah. Yeah. He's so so cute and bloated and fluffy. We didn't even get action figures. (laughs) Hey, Tony, how you doing? Yeah. How's it going? (laughs) Yeah. I say that about, think about, think I think about Muncher that's funny is that if we had gotten him more, like we saw him, if you remember he was in the Spanish MasterChef episode. Or something yeah, it was like Master like Chef Spain and they had a Ghostbusters like yeah. themed episode we never got in the US and he was in it. Um the delays but, in the pandemic wreak havoc on a lot of the yeah, tie-ins. And but stuff, I also so. wonder like if they had just decided that he was not the thing that was gonna propel this movie as much as the mini puffs in marketing, because like there's a satire article you can find that I've talked about on the show before that's written by like a, a you know sort of Marxist critical culture <laughs> magazine. That isn't it's funny if you like get that it's funny because it's being critical, but it's like a a screed <laughs> about how Muncher rep whereas like Slimer represented the era of cocaine and Corvettes. Muncher represents the era of like antidepressants and <laughs> it just seems like a big sad sack as opposed to Slimer who's like gonna eat everything inside and party. <laughs> <laughs> I just appreciate him that they tried to do something new and tried to harness the way and look and feel of the previous films. Yeah. And I think they did a good job of that, though. I, I thought Muncher. it was interesting, too, that they chose like an actual like thing to base him on. Like he's a tardigrade. He's like a, a water bear. Yeah. Right. So it, it's an actual kind of microscopic being that would exist, but somehow becomes in ghost form. So it's kind of interesting concept. I love the way you can tell like he's full of metal and like the proton pack is heating it up and like you can mm. see the metal glowing hot inside yeah. his gut while he's getting blasted there.
this is really fun when he just kind of the come on darling. And then grandpa shows up. (laughs) (laughs) It will be kind of weird is if Egon had fixed the car as a ghost, like if he had to wait around longer for a few more weeks and he was like, what should I do with myself? So while he was around on the farm, he just decided to fix the car up and then he was just out doing donuts in the field with it. Like, you know, dead man behind the wheel. (laughs) I mean, I love this film, but God, I remember like watching the scene for the first time and like the song choice is so unexpected for a Ghostbusters film. I mean, it works Mm -hmm. great, but so out there. A lot of the song choices in the film are. Mm hmm. So they talked, I think Jason Ryan has talked about this on uh, d- different places. I can't remember where he said it, but he mentioned that, of course, they grew all of these crops, right? They like started a year before they went and scouted the location. It was still winter. And then they grew all the crops and had like a farmer who was calling them a crop reports on how the barley and the corn was doing. And he talked about the idea that when they took the car through the barley field and did the donuts, the car was so hot and the like that. And they had so much barley caught in the radiators and stuff that the car smelled of toasted barley. <laughs> I think the people at Hasbro heard that story when they were making that Ecto one they made, and those ones came with yeah. an extra charred front ends. <laughs> <laughs> they did apparently also sell the crops after the movie and turned a profit on them, which is also kind of hilarious. That one of the yeah. ways that they made money was. They sold the so crops. What crop they did grew. they plant for Firehouse? You know, yeah, exactly. They the <laughs> the crop they the crop was urban blight. That's what they grew. <laughs> it's in New York City. I'm kidding, but like <laughs> one of the most random things I've ever received, like in the mail, was a takeout menu from this restaurant. <laughs> really? What? Wow! Yeah. I yeah. want one. Uh, uh, a fine fellow <laughs> sent me the takeout menu, and then uh, he sent me like samples of like where the dirt farm was, where the, uh, the Shandor sign was like rocks from it and such like that oh, with man. like pictures of like nice. and video of him picking it up. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I had that to explain cool. to my wife why I need to like dirt samples. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna throw those out? No. Apparently these, uh, mugs are unobtainium. Like nobody can find them. They're very difficult to get so much. I guess Jason Reitman really likes them and, um, tries to find them. So if anybody else is looking, if you're out there as a mug maker, Come on the show and tell us about your mugs. <laughs> Make some of these mugs for people. Did Jason use an unobtainable mug and an unobtainable flash drive specifically? <laughs> I think that is like. Yeah, I think the prerequisite for a prop. Well, the flash drive story, as I understand it, is that uh, they wanted to use a Hello Kitty flash drive. That was the original idea in the script, but they were told they couldn't. Because of particular like, you know, legal arrangements like toy licenses uh, and relationships. And so instead, you got a My Little Pony, which happens to be owned by Hasbro, the, you know, of course, official toy licensor of Ghostbusters. So. (laughs) But originally, podcasts would have had Hello Kitty stuff. So if you're out there being like, I'm going to like, don't worry, I've thought about it. For those of you like, why don't you just buy a Hello Kitty jump drive? I'm like, I've thought about it. I really have. Like, I have the real one. I know it was original. I love how just podcast is so quick to learn the RTV. Yes. <laughs> and luckily it was already all charged up and ready to go. Yeah. 
He is just able to intuit how everything works, except for throwing the trap. That's the one thing you can't ask. Like <laughs> that's what we we missed it because I was talking about other stuff. But when that scene when he throws the trap and botches the throw with the music mm-hmm. behind it is so hilarious. It's just like <laughs> you think it's like they're gonna catch him and he just botches the throw so bad. I feel like Nuggets was supposed to be like the big summer catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we still don't have a replica RTV at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty complicated seems like thing. Such a slam dunk. It seems like it's a pretty complicated thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of ins remote and a lot of outs. Car? Well, a remote, remote control car that also has to do things with opening doors and things. And, you know, it's a lot of mm. a lot of ins, a lot of outs. <laughs> But maybe we'll get one. We don't know what the next HasLab is yet, but if you're listening in the future, you might already know when you're like, wait uh, a minute, are we saying there's going to be a next HasLab? It's a ghost popper. I'm sure there's a next HasLab. Yeah, sure. I'm, I feel good about (laughs) it. 1984 proton pack. I have, I have jokingly (laughs) said that what Hasbro could very quickly do not to get talked and stuck in the toy conversation when we watch a movie, but Hey, they already gave us this neutrona wand, right? So in Hasbro true form, they could just take off that little shotgun muzzle. They could <laughs> just give us the normal handle without the duct tape. And they could be like 84 neutrona wand. And <laughs> we've released another product. It's just like our lightsabers. We just changed the color of the blade and we put some different decor on the handle. So yeah, I'd be down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say I wouldn't buy one or three because I would need to because I'm crazy, but. This is so fun. Like this, this whole scene of them driving through the city and shooting is like the first time we get to see this. It's a cartoon. Like we never, I never imagined they would do this in a movie because they never did it in a movie. And yeah, they I mean, this, did it in this a cartoon. pretty much takes like, this takes you back to like old, I'm like almost playing with like Kinder action figures, you know, like yeah. the, the car seat on top of the Ecto one. And I love the way that she's hanging out the door, like with like one hand on the wand, trying not to lose it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you see the the sheriffs were also in the Chinese restaurant there. Yes. Everybody. It's like where it all begins is that moment. And there's that, that mm-hmm. moment where the music stings and goes on the road again. There's like one bar of on the road again that comes out. that <laughs> just is so hilarious. And they cut back to the car. <laughs> he gets he so excited. Gets he just knows what he's doing. He knows. He's worked it all out. Took like 30 seconds. There's a ramp. This thing goes <laughs> down the ramp. What I'm question, my question right now is what are the goggles being used for? Like, what is their utility in this moment? <laughs> for players of Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, clearly Phoebe does not have the dual vertical grip equipped. I should be able to reel that in. <laughs> I love the way the proton beam slaps the road. That's awesome. This seems like so incredibly yeah. dangerous. This this entire stunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I I know we kind of mentioned it earlier about Muncher and all that. Um, I'm really hoping with all the other stuff that's apparently on the table and like possibly coming out, like animated feature length film, Netflix series, all that, that we do get to see more. Not necessarily of of this kind of scenario, but, you know, we'll there see Muncher or like some of those other kind of characters or ghosts from some of the past films kind of pop up again. Yeah. And what happened to Bug Eye Ghost? Like we're going to see him later in the movie. So what happened to him after this whole um, 
this whole shindig in Oklahoma went away. Did he go on vacation? Like, well, he signed a deal with Ilphonic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's in the new DLC now. <laughs> yeah, he's exclusively you know available in Spirits Unleashed. So, I love how Muncher follows the roads. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> his only way he knows how to get around. He Maybe he's eating a lot of cars. You know, like he's eating a lot of GPS <laughs> units, and it's just kind of messing with him. Maybe he's one of the miners, right? Yeah. That died in that mine, so he's yeah. drawn Hey, to that's it. actually a really good explanation, Tom. I like that. Good job. I recall when that first Fry feature figure was, uh, that first Fry feature figure was shown in, like, there was, like, the Ecto-1 license plate, like, in his belly, mm-hmm. and everybody thought that he was gonna, like, eat the Ecto-1 at one point. Yes. I do remember that. That's a beautiful shot. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I love that the little RTV also has headlamps <laughs> so that I guess the person driving it can see where they're going while riding on top. <laughs> well, I know part of the, des- the design of it there, Ben Eady was saying that they kind of made it almost like appear like a face, like yeah. with like those little eyes and such, right? So. I also love the little squeaky hop that it makes when like the door is closed. It goes squeaky. Mm-hmm. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, almost has like a Wally quality to it. It mm-hmm. does. It's very fun. I do want one. You're right. They should make one. <laughs> I would buy it. Who am I kidding? I'd buy two. I would need one cases. No, I need one outside, <laughs> one to take outside. And then mm-hmm. one to leave in the house. One in the box. One out of the box. <laughs> Very Ghostbusters 2 to the museum. Yeah. Scene. It is kind of funny now that they just like drive back into town. <laughs> like that's such a kid thing that you like we ran through town and we destroyed a lot of shit in this very obvious yeah. looking car let's just drive right back into town again nobody will notice and also at like the slowest speed possible <laughs> like we're not going to take the back roads you know we're just yeah yeah <laughs> I say we fight where they're the most wanted in town how old is that twinkie still good they last forever i mean here's the thing he hasn't been using this car we know this like at the beginning of the movie he's driving around in the ivan built truck right like that's that's mm. if you if you don't know this for folks listening out there if you look at that truck it has an emblem on it that says ivan built and it's literally like named after ivan right uh, but he's got that work truck at the beginning of the movie he's not in the ecto one it doesn't run so that twinkie's got to be like super old <laughs> it's like five years later <laughs> <laughs> you know there is a massive massive difference between american and canadian twinkies really what? i did not know that yeah what is the difference uh you guys have like a just a sugary gold down there while us like it it has the the cake is uh not it doesn't nearly have a, as like nearly as much give to it it has a little bit harder and not nearly as sweet i mean it's still sweet i mean it's a twinkie after all but <laughs> Yeah, you guys in the U.S. I mean, it's so much better. As it's explained, mm-hmm. as it's been explained to me by you, apparently this is because the Mounties care about nutrition. That's what I got from all of our conversations about this. But um, I don't really think it's the Mounties, <laughs> but 
You've all heard this before. If there's anybody who's an official in Canada, I just assume they're a Mountie. It's, it's WWF's fault. It's not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Quebecers are, are making sure those don't come up here. <laughs> <laughs> I love how she uses her one phone call. Yes. <laughs> to call this number from this commercial. And it's still not her mom, not. And hey, Ray, can you call my mom? <laughs> See, this, yeah. this scene gets me, though. I, I get built up from seeing that scene again, the redo of the commercial, then you get the occult books. Oh, geez. So How much, much did Ray or, like, Winston pay to get that number back? Because, like, this, that's the number for, like, the firehouse, right? And now it's here for the, the Ray's occult. No, they just transferred it. <laughs> they just, you know, when they, ah. they just transferred the number. It's, it's okay. It's because the firehouse isn't there, so when they were going to, like, lose that phone line, they are like, can you just transfer it to Ray's occult? And they took the red phone with them, too. Well, I guess I didn't get the poll. I guess I'm going to have to take the phone. <laughs> Egon got my car, but I got the phone. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny, too. Janine's all pissed. <laughs> I will be honest. There was a part of me that wanted to have a scene in this movie where he also still had the fire bell. And when she picked up the phone and called him in the theater, I was really kind of just goofily hoping he would pound a button and be like, we got one. <laughs> and the bells would start ringing inside of Ray's occult. <laughs> He'd go running out, jump into some, I don't know, Toyota Tercel, <laughs> like 1994. How, how were your guys' reaction the first time you heard? Ray Stan say Egon Spangler can burn in hell. How did that hit you for the first time when you heard it? It's an oof. You know, you're like, wait, why? What happened? You know, like, what do you mean? That's not a thing you should be saying. But <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, because it's coming from Ray. Like, I mean, he's yeah. like the most carefree, go lucky kind of character. Like, he's right. just bursting with enthusiasm. It still hits hard every time I hear it. It makes the ending of the movie where he's like, I'm sorry. You know, it's just like you, you feel mm -hmm. like, oh, God. Mm -hmm. He's been walking around with this, like, you know, burdening him, too, at the same time for years. So. And you got to think, too, for, for Ray to be broken like that by Egon to a point where he doesn't believe him. It must have been going on for years, too. So there's got to be some really serious estrangement there between him and Egon and just shock. Yeah. Because you know, last time we saw him, they were best buds. But I think about the number of people who watched this scene and also were like, um, it doesn't make sense. Ray would never. Like, that doesn't make sense that Ray would ever act this way. And I'm like, there's a lot of explain there, like business tensions. Like they're trying to keep themselves afloat and not go out of business. And the one guy mm -hmm. who, you know, one guy is kind of acting out of sorts and being like, no, look, it doesn't matter what any of you are talking about. <laughs> like, and, and, and getting really amped up about it. You know, you could see how that would really grow as some tension, especially if they were living in the firehouse together. Uh, you know, as they who knows? So. Well, the other thing, too, is like when you go back to Ghostbusters 2, like, I mean, Peter, he moved on, you know, Egon, he moved on. Uh, I'm assuming Winston did to some degree. Uh, he was probably doing something on the side. But like Ray, he was still very much stuck in that Ghostbuster mindset. You yes. know, he was doing the children's parties. He was still enjoying it. Uh, so to like lose it, possibly lose it all again. I mean, I, yeah, I could definitely see that really affecting him and like yeah. shifting his gear and you know, holding animosity towards Egon. And you think about what he has tied up into it at a family level. We know this from the first movie that, yes, his parents home was like tied up into this business, <laughs> like an heirloom handed down to him from generation. So it's like, he has a lot, you know, emotionally invested as a character. And we don't get to see that. I think in the movie, as much as we get 
you know, this sudden like, I'm mad at my old friend and I'm talking to a child about it who I've never spoken to before. <laughs> just randomly telling a story to a kid on the phone who's in the slammer. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's 30 years after the last time we saw them. Yeah. You know, they're frozen in time for right. us. Yeah. It's true. But those characters lived lives. Yeah. In a moment, we're going to talk about like the most unrealistic moment in this entire movie. Um, <laughs> because this small child is about to do something that would never result in anyone just walking out of a police station in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> I, 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 I see what you're saying, but I kind of throw it up to like, they don't exactly know what the proton pack is in front <laughs> right. of them. I mean, they do know they just destroyed half of the downtown. So I guess you're right. Maybe right. They, They've seen that it's a laser yep, gun yep. that destroys stuff. <laughs> Jail. <laughs> I just love her explanation. Her mother's explanation. She didn't mean it. <laughs> No, she didn't mean it at all. <laughs> she wasn't at all like, I'm going to shoot you down with a laser gun because you talked shit on my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> it does make you wonder if they took it out back and tried to screw around with it. Like the cops. <laughs> they were like, come on, let's go down to the firing range. <laughs> I do love the fact, though, that everybody like in Somerville knows how to use the technology and the equipment. Like he just turned it off just <laughs> right. for a shot. <laughs> I love the like single blinking light on the, you know, giant set of silos as capacitor. It kind of yes. tells like the foreshadowing of, like this is something else. It's not actually what it looks like. So is this is this on the sound stage this scene or is this looks like I think so. Yeah. They did reshoots for this movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I I know one of them uh, is coming up pretty soon involves Red and Gary Coon. They talk about that in the commentaries. Um, I don't remember. They might have. (laughs) <laughs> for all that's going on in this movie they've got like a pretty endearing relationship going on they do you know they're like, fast friends it, it actually feels really organic yeah with all this craziness surrounding them mm-hmm. this scene is hard yeah mm-hmm. like this scene is hard to watch to some extent because it's just like the emotions here are so heavy a mom and her daughter fighting and Egon gets called an asshole yeah, <laughs> but apparently it could have been like way harder. Um, one of the things that is talked about in that big head club commentary that Jason Reitman touched on is that there is a cut of the movie they showed to audiences where Callie breaks the PKE meter here. She severs the connection between Phoebe and Egon and it tested so poorly and the audience like kind of couldn't like her anymore. <laughs> So they they removed it. But if you look at the scenes later on, and I'll kind of point them out later, when she becomes uh, Zool, when, you know, when Callie Mm. becomes Zool, you see Phoebe leave the house and she discovers that the farm is a giant ghost trap. If you look at the PKE meter, it is broken. It is actually like Mm. physically damaged and the prop has been modified to illustrate that it's been damaged and she's tried to fix it. And so there's like a missing scene in the from the movie where the PKE meter would have been destroyed or damaged. And then Phoebe would have to set to fix it to reestablish the connection to grandpa. 
It's depressing. <laughs> it's a good, it's a way more depressing read. I'm, glad they cut I'm really it. glad they cut it. Yeah. Not to be like, hey, everybody, oh. let me add on, make this even sadder. But everybody, it's cool. We're going to Walmart. Uh, prices are falling. It's rollback time. Dude, just, I just love the fact that he's going there just to eat some dog food. Like, yeah. This has one of my favorite jokes in any movie of all time. And I, I just I, I've loved it since they released that scene. I had our friend Eric Christensen uh, design a graphic of, of it. This this is what you see right here is a failed marketing tie in because of a pandemic. Brought to you by Baskin Robbins. <laughs> There's your Stay Puff marshmallows, which we would all be running down to Walmart. Just a few, you know, few times to go buy more of from Walmart's, which is the only place that carried them. They didn't Can do I this, though, about being Canadian again. <laughs> <laughs> it's OK. We have you. We got we got you taken care of. We're, we're running things over the border for you when you need it. I <laughs> thank you for that. Would have been great instead of it like possessed like that beef jerky on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little jerky man. It took over a Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim display and was just like, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> hey, how's it going? I hope we see more of them. Like, why do we not have short films? You know, like the, the forky shorts they have on Disney Plus. <laughs> they could do so much with these mini puffs. Oh, yeah. I also want to reiterate that I still want somebody to cast them out of uh, cement and paint them so I can put them in my yard like garden gnomes all over the place. <laughs> Talking to you, fun costumes. Hey, now. <laughs> I do have a mini puffed on my Roomba literally right now. Like It's like awesome. a permanent fixture. <laughs> About to say fun costumes, they just knocked the price of Proton Pack down. It's not in the budget. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You can make that money back. Just make a whole bunch of these. <laughs> a lot of them. I'll buy them. I love the oh, Terminator man. 2 reference. The thumbs yeah, up. That's the best. <laughs> I also love all these other... Tony Taylor toys. I love all these other Stay products. The Stay Crisp Graham yeah, It makes sense. Yeah, I love right? them. All right. This is my one gripe about the scene that I, I, have, I say. They don't leave the blenders in a, in a Walmart plugged in. <laughs> they, they, or, they, nor do they have propane hooked up to the grills right. on this plane. <laughs> I love that like, in this Walmart, they're like, yeah, sure, why not? It's Oklahoma. We just hook it all up and see what happens. <laughs> Their paranormal energy are powering the appliances. Yeah, I can live with it. It's fine. I'm not, like, at the end of the day, I, like, I let it go. But I did it the, fir like, the first couple of times I watched the movie. Not the first time. By the second or third time, I was like, wait a second. But you're right. He does come all the way here. And basically all he's here for is just to be like, I'm hungry. I need some dog food, <laughs> which is a strange concept. Yeah. But look at the beautifully well-lit practical terror dog. It is amazing. Yes, it's amazing. It's outstanding. It's crazy how good they did this, like how well they did it. And then it's crazy how well they animated <laughs> the CG version that is composited here to like feel like. The old one, because the old one looks goofy now when you watch it because it's aged a little, right? You watch the one yeah. from 84 and you stop can tell motion. that it's stop motion. But this is like a good way of like meeting in the middle. Like it still feels goofy and it has the same physics as the other as the old one, but it's far more realistic. 
I love the dive through the hood. Like, <laughs> how would he have even gotten this far if they hadn't already smashed out the window? See, if he wouldn't have hooked his keys on his belt like that, he probably could right. have got them. Stupid public school teachers and their stupid keys on their belts. Key master foreshadow. Don't get mad, public school teachers. I am of you. <laughs> so you just blew up the restaurant you go back to the restaurant the following yeah. day <laughs> i admittedly want to cut this scene alongside the like some music from seinfeld in the background in the diner scene because it just feels like it belongs there <laughs> This is funny now, like every like these kids behind them are like, what are you doing? And this is so reminiscent of the jail scene from the 84 movie, like where the people around them just start looking over the blueprints as they'll have them laid out on the table. So in this version, we get that weird callback where the kids behind them are like, what are they doing? And listen to them tell the story about Evo Shandor. And it's such a like weird, subtle nod to the original movie that I love. Should have had like a roller granny pop in and she could have been like the Reginald Bell Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> or she could have popped in and went, so be good for goodness sake. Ghost Whoa. farmer kids. The principal wants to see you. <laughs> hey, Can we get a ride? Kids. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I love the jokes in this movie. They're so bad. They're great. <laughs> I want this to be like an amusement park ride. I want like Sony as they're building out their water park yeah. and things be like, you're going to ride down the yeah. Shandorian mine in a mine elevator. That's a good I'm one really hoping for next year uh, with the 40th anniversary and everything. Like we're going to get like a pretty substantial like Halloween Horror Nights or something yeah, like that, that based be, on the entire franchise. That would be great. I would be totally into that. Also, this is a practical set. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Built by the German Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you all in Germany who build great props as we talk about on a regular basis. That statue's horrifying, but it's But there so it is. Cool. If you have not seen this, folks, there is a actually like they have made. Uh, I think it's D. Geisterjäger has made a yep. scale replica of this for events, which is freaking crazy down at the bottom of this hole there's like four ninja turtles and a rat they're eating pizza I want to know what's at the bottom yeah what I think is really interesting <laughs> here is like how Egon has set up this system to contain what is about to happen over and over again so for Gozer like, this is Groundhog Day. <laughs> Every day, Gozer gets up and is like, 6 a.m., just put your little hand in mine. And starts to climb out of the hole. And then four proton you know, streams just, boom, they cross right over the hole. And <laughs> what, were the what was like the trial and error like then on Egon's part for this? Yeah. How many times did she get out? And he was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> She's coming. Just kind of like nudges her and pushes her back in. <laughs> I, I love how it's activated by a PKE meter, the way the the yeah. wings of the PKE meter go up and it's what activates the proton streams to turn on. And 
So this was crazy when people finally got to see who was playing Evo Shandor because it was like kind of, I think, teased the people. I think some people kind of knew about it. I don't not really sure, but. Uh-huh. We were aware he was going to be in the film. Yeah. But they never, they did not announce anything about his character. Yeah. I think that's what I, mean. that's what I mean. It's like, I think people were kind of knew that he was going to be in this movie, but they didn't really know what his involvement was going to be. And so, yeah, this is a thing they had to change in post. They had to actually go and, <laughs> and edit that, that 2021 in because it originally was a two zero two zero. And because the next movie is then coming like what in like 2034 or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how long it's going to take to come out they have it done but it's not coming out you until they can match the numbers <laughs> hey look I already waited 31 and a half years for a Ghostbusters movie it's fine <laughs> but the way this whole machine works is awesome and the way the streams cross but the beam blasts down the very beginning of the movie you see a proton stream blasting straight up with Egon. What yeah. was going on there? I was I did wonder that too. What that was about? Like why is there one blowing into the mm-hmm. sky when he's fleeing? Did maybe like something that was there get knocked over or something, but then it would how would it get back <laughs> put back together such that it's still working to contain things? But it is, it's like he that's where they know at this point, like it would be potentially bad. Like, remember, the first movie, they're like crossing the streams could potentially result in like, you know, every molecule in your body blowing up at the speed of light or whatever. Right. But now Egon's <laughs> like, it's fine. You just just do it over and over again. It works. <laughs> it's very Goonies. It is. <laughs> I'd love to see more of him as Shandor in some capacity. Yeah. He's so great. Yeah. There it is. PK meter shuts yes. down. I love that there's some like spare lightsaber parts on a lot of those proton packs and stuff. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, he was trying to keep everybody, uh, you know, safe. And the whole town was like, he's a weirdo. And. <laughs> That's uncool, everybody. So remember, be cool to weirdos because they might just be trying to keep you safe from the scariest thing alive <laughs> or undead. <laughs> they find out a lot in the mine. They yeah. find out the cause of the earthquakes and then they figure out their grandfather wasn't crazy. And So see, if you look at the PKE meter now, it looks like it's got some battle damage on it that it didn't have before. Now Callie's going to realize that they're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Man, the amount of like <laughs> people that 
debated and talked about this incoming scene when it comes to like dates and pictures and photos that were shown, just trying to piece the madness together. Yeah. I love the look of disdain on her face when she sees the fire pole. (laughs) (laughs) She totally holds the PKE mirror like a mom would too. He has a great ability to like use lamps. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I do love the fact though that there's like a staircase that leads like outside while you're in his lab. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, if yeah, I was to enter it, that'd be, a, a, that's how I would go. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There is a, pr- a pretty strong willingness to use the pole, but I guess it's part of what, you know, brings <laughs> you to the land of acceptance. It's like, if you ride down the fire pole, then you're ready to encounter the truth. That's the way to look at it. That would be funny if that was the only way in and out. Like you had yeah. to climb back <laughs> no, up. No, that, that question was definitely asked during that Bighead Club thing. Yeah, of like, I how do you get that. out? Egon's joints are going. This was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got no health insurance once you run away from your friends who you're running your business with and you're sliding down that pole all the time. How do you think he did or you think he used the stairs? I mean, I would hope the stairs. This, this was uh, like one of the only jump scares in this movie. Yeah, oh. legit. All of these photos apparently are actually like of Carrie Coon as a child. Like they're all stuff they brought in. So the articles, like the news articles and stuff are all about her when she was a kid. And they then incorporated them and made some slight changes to them to make them work. So apparently Carrie Coon was really good at soccer because <laughs> Callie's <laughs> Penguin is really good at soccer. Nope. Sorry. I'm really surprised that the scene like worked because like on paper, I don't know. It just, it feels like it should just because like that whole, like, you know, there is no Dana only Zul. It's such an iconic moment to replicate. It just seems like it shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> yeah. But it, you're right. Like it is <laughs> kind of, you're like, Oh, she's just going to turn into this character we've seen before, but they do this really well on the sort of dynamic yeah. here of like the kids being involved. Like there's a different feel to this. When you get Dana Barrett as Zool, there's some comedy to it, right? Like there's, it's scary that she's possessed, but everything Venkman is doing adds some comedic level to it. There's nothing really funny here. Like this even has a comedic you know element to it, but it's also kind of creepy because it's like, he's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> And this is like the last authority figure that actually, you know, now believes them, right? Right. I mean, I don't I don't even think that she believes them. She believes that grandpa's real, but I don't know mm. that she necessarily believes the ghost part of it, you know. Yeah, um, there was a lot of damage to a lot of buildings in this town that day. <laughs> FEMA had to come in and set up trailers. It's really bad. Got the Tim Horton 10 bits, Canadian staple. My understanding <laughs> is that also this whole sliding temple is also practical. 
like it moved and did the things. And I don't know how true that is, but it's what I've heard and I've been told. I'm sure somebody can tell me if I'm wrong. Extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. There you go. Oh, you're right. Look at the PKE. Yep. Yeah, PKE yeah, meters messed up. Where he's yeah. broken. Yeah. And it's because she has now like tried to put it back together. So that's part of like why it works when they use it is because she's done the work to reassemble it. And thank goodness for, I'm assuming graffiti and vandals for spray painting dirt on there. Otherwise she never would have figured this out. <laughs> I, 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 that's so odd. I don't think oh. I've ever noticed that Shandor minecart before as like a town no. hall artifact. Even, even really? though I've seen this movie like 25 times. I've never noticed it like all that ectoplasm somehow. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he goes right for the colander hat. Yeah, straight up. Doesn't even waste time, doesn't ask any questions, doesn't know what it does, straps it right on. <laughs> it's amazingly lucky, though, that he puts that hat on in the scene because this is a reshoot and he looks like, I don't know, at least a year oh, yeah. older. It's probably two or you three. You can tell years the wig's a little different here. You're gonna look at Trevor's mm. hair is much longer yeah. than it was in the scene before. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, to be like, hey, we're pulling the there. threads, but I will say this: I've seen this prop of the model at Sony. It's on the. It's in the museum. If you go there and go take the tour, um, and this thing is freaking amazing. It's made of like pencils and like all kinds of different like stuff you'd like find laying box. around the desk. It's just all junk that like batteries and, you know, uh, just random stuff that he uses almost like Legos, as, you know, as the character to build it. Whoever put that together, like whoever the prop designer was, you're a freaking genius. That thing's amazing. It's going <laughs> to sell someday at like an auction for way too much money. Also, by the way, just so we're talking we're talking about auctions real quick. If you haven't heard, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that this idea that the Sony prop house is going to be closing up shop and they're going to liquidate the prop house. I'm going to get me one of those USB drives because I think it's in there. <laughs> all the good stuff. <laughs> but see, the thing about that auction is that all the good stuff is probably in the archive yeah, already, right. right? So you're probably going to get like... But nobody's you know. nobody's going to pay attention to that USB drive. I'm telling you, I'm going to get it for like 49 cents. No one's going to care. What does she say? What does she say there? You, no one knows. I was so excited when this came out on Blu-ray or, and I was like, man, they're finally going to have it there. Yeah. <laughs> And it just it either says nothing or like it just like inaudible or what have you. Yeah, it's not clear what she says. I love that he drew on his own name tag. (laughs) (laughs) That was important to him. Time to do that. It took a few moments. Let me say this. That's got to be a really impressive lift. That car weighs a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nothing but stupid guns. A jail inside a jail. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really all jails would be inside a jail, right? right? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Every cell would be a jail inside a jail. I love this scene of like, they just give you the clues of him working it out. And you're like, he's going to do it. I was so excited when he did it the first time I saw it in the movie. <laughs> why here's a question why is it that muncher doesn't phase through things 
Like, is he, it's, it's like they choose to do it because he yeah. eats that, but then yeah. he phases through the ceiling right. and he squeezes. <laughs> it makes me wonder. He loves metal. It makes me wonder yeah. if most of the metal objects in town that are old enough are made of selenium because they mine so much of it. And like somehow he can't pass through stuff because it's made of selenium. I don't know. Like. What if he would have ate the proton pack? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, total protonic reversal is what? Look at that turn. I love the stay puffed sign on the liquor store. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be so fun to drive that car, but not to own it because I'd be terrified of what I would do to it. <laughs> <laughs> Them walking hand in hand like that is just kind of funny. Like, you didn't really see, like, a relationship in this capacity in the original movie between, you know, like, they just show up and they're trying to, like, get with each other. They're seeking each other out. And then we see them kiss. And the next thing we know, they transform here. It's like they hooked up. They were in the <laughs> middle of a field. They had a nice walk to the temple holding hands. They ate well, dandelions together. When when two people, they love one another, you know, they get together <laughs> and... uh <laughs> it's a different experience yeah. you know sometimes you get a special relationship well that's how you know it's real like cause that's Dana just, and you know Lewis don't have that dynamic but mm-hmm. you know Callie and Groover these kids they're gonna make it yeah they're gonna make it they're gonna be fine <laughs> yeah they're gonna bring about the end of the world and then they're gonna they're gonna bring about some more stuff together the they're gonna just be like a montage in the next movie to like nothing's gonna stop me now or <laughs> you know, what's that mannequin song that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go I said it out loud, then I was thinking about like the perfect stranger song, and I was like, is that it? No, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. I was so excited for Shandor. I, I was. <laughs> I love too how they unknowingly kind of like the character <laughs> looks so much like his Ghostbusters the video game appearance. It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, no, we didn't base him off that. It was just, you know, we, we took period pieces around that time, what people look like. And this is this is him. It's, that him being ripped in half like that to me is like the equivalent of at the beginning of that movie with uh, Harrison Ford where he's there in the he plane is. as the president. And what is it? Um, Steven Seagal shows up for like a hot 90 seconds of that movie and then he dies. <laughs> like He's just <laughs> bam, he's gone. It's kind of the same thing here. So she finally gets through to so funny and just decides to chill. Enter yeah. another dimension. Like, I got I'm just time to spare. Chill. It's all good. Kick it right here. I got to relax for it's her favorite cave. <laughs> Took a long time if to climb up that hole. I got to take a breather. If that's all Gozer was going to do when she came to our dimension, was just going to, you know, chillax, you know, and. You have to wonder if, like, this is something Gozer's ever really encountered before. Like, has Gozer met kids? <laughs> so if Gozer can be whatever it wants to yeah. be, does it just really like being this? This flat-topped person. This is a different yeah. version. The bubbles are not so much. The the, the hard, mm-hmm, sharp mm-hmm. edges and the lightning is more. <laughs> this version likes Olivia Wilde. Yeah. <laughs> We call this one a little bit more toyetic, <laughs> <laughs> despite not having a toy. 
It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Were her eyes originally red at one time and they changed them to black for a reason? Wasn't there something about her eyes, Gozer's eyes? You mean in this movie I or do recall. overall? In this movie, yeah. Because in, in the yeah. original, they're red, and in this one, they're black. I don't know. I did hear something about that. I don't know why they changed it, though. Now, this effect of like what it looks like when Gozer is only supported by one of the two. Um, is awesome. Terror Dogs is a really cool <laughs> concept. I like it. The concept art for it, too, is amazing looking. Yeah. Like how the one terror dog's just like sitting there for a few moments, just like I I don't know what what. <laughs> what do I do about this? This has never happened before. Yeah. Mom, help! You got humpy. <laughs> <laughs> it's such like kid language. It's so funny. Sinners. Great call back to the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Sinners and sacks. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We know. We know. I'm aware. (laughs) This is another total mom move, too. (laughs) Which, to be by the the way, is kind of creepy if you think about it. It's a little weird. How do you get all those photos? Who's he getting them from? Who's going to all these events and sending him stuff? Janine. Janine's everywhere. Janine just goes and runs all his business for him everywhere. <laughs> Maybe she's a private eye now. <laughs> That's a spin-off television show. Janine Milnitz, private detective. We got one. <laughs> I like the concept that like she can just shoot the terror dog and the terror dog is like I recoil I stop (laughs) (laughs) it's weird that she doesn't manage to tether the ghost that's inside the terror dog to pull it out like the trap can but the proton pack Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be able to do that just acts as a defensive blast in other words you gotta use your boson darts to soften them up (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, you know, somebody lives in California where people are canceling home insurance due to risks of fire and weather and things. I don't think Egon's family's getting another insurance policy on this house, personally. <laughs> I think they're yeah, going to have this to under? figure out what to do with this house now. They can't insure it. Now, the fact that they kind of recreate the opening with this. Yeah. With Phoebe mm-hmm. holding the trap versus Egon holding the trap at the beginning. It makes me think that the thing walking towards Egon at the beginning is Gozer. Yeah, it's not because like, why would he try to use the whole trap field on just the other terror dog? That, that is the question, right? Like, what was the True. plan? Was it to yeah, cat or was it that he had one terror dog and he was hoping he could catch the other, but he was set yeah, up to capture Gozer like if he needed field. to, you know? Yeah, maybe he had more than one plan. Maybe like that was one version of the plan was I'll try and catch each each of the ghosts individually. And then if I can't, I can at least if the Gozer comes here, I'll be able to catch Gozer in the field. I, I don't know. That is horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to hang out with that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Aren't these uh, spirit? Yes, traps? they are. Yep. I believe yep. the number is 198 or something. You can see like the inside of the door grate towards the end. There's a really interesting video um, that Tested did with Adam yeah, with Adam Savage that um, shows how this trap field was like set up and it was in a giant matrix connected to a series of like 12 volt car batteries and then run off control boards so they could pop them all at the same time. My question is whether or not they replaced the actuators and motors because if they didn't, then that means they went and bought all those Walmart traps <laughs> because that's the only trap that had a motor in it. But I think it's more likely they bought spirit traps and added their own motors to them. And where are the traps now? I don't know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I've got my own problems. <laughs> I was so happy the pup, the mini puffs came back. I, I was worried they were only like, going to be in the Walmart scene. My favorite scene, scene and... they have in the entire movie is going to come in a few moments when... Oh, in the windshield? Yeah, and the Ghostbusters <laughs> show up yeah. there in the back window going, ah, like fangirling. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting here that, like, the ghost, once freed, rejects Callie. It's just like, nope, I'm done with you. You failed. <laughs> This is such great effects work. Yeah. She just wants to be happy with her dogs. Why can't people leave her alone? She just wants to go jogging with her dogs without being bothered. They legit found, though, like the perfect balance between like that old school gozer and something new. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, she looks great. Yeah. It's the character is very recognizable, but still a different form of it because, in fact, you know, it can choose to be whatever it wants to be. So there they are. You got those guys. If you got us, if you got a Haslab pack, you got three of them. <laughs> Was there a uh, any talk in that commentary, Jim, about how they got to this middle of nowhere farm? Yeah. How did they arrive? Um, I don't you know, I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> I imagine that there is a logical explanation for that, that um, maybe we'll get someday in like We're a waiting, extended Jim. commentary. I mean, <laughs> as I said, when I first watched this movie, Hole in the Wall plays with like a bunch of friends and they obviously weren't as hardcore of Ghostbuster fans as I was. But like that was the big question. Everybody left was like, so the original guys. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I think that they came on Marine Ecto-8. Except that Oklahoma is landlocked, so that can't be it. Like, um, but maybe they took Ecto too. You know, they just hopped on like the, from the real Ghostbusters. They just they just hopped on that weird little motorcycle-y looking flying contraption they have and showed up. I bet that uh, Winston here is doing well enough. He's got a jet. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. I believe that Winston probably <laughs> has enough money as a billionaire executive in finance that he was like, <laughs> "Fire up the private jet. We're going." And you know. And then he yelled out, get Can the I super jackpot. And that was awesome. Fast talking, sciencey Dan Aykroyd. He makes me tingle a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, so good. All the members of Ducks Unlimited. <laughs> They're all not happy about this gozer. That looked like it hurt. They do talk about how much it hurt in a second. But whoever did that stunt work <laughs> feels like they put a nice dent in that car with their back. 
Well, Bill got like legit hurt on set, right? Like when they were filming this. Uh, I don't know. He was complaining about having to be on the ground. I remember he got dinged up and uh, there's a couple like uh, behind the scenes photos of his like his hand being bandaged up. Oh, I think you're right. I think I do remember that. Yeah, I forget the actual like reasoning or what have you, what like what led to it. But uh, yeah, yeah. I love I love the fact that uh, out of all the guys to return, the one guy that would get hurt on a Ghostbuster set is Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like Winston's attempt at the one handed shot. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest. I have not understood how it is that she's able to hold off Gozer with one proton pack. And to this day, I really do believe that that proton pack was supposed to be different and special. I I agree. It's it's the Spangler pack. It's got some extra things on it. And yeah. it's the pack that Lucky opens the door. Like that's where that pack comes from because Phoebe doesn't have it at first or whatever, right? So it's like Yeah, that's the one on the ground. And when yeah. you look at the Hasbro toys, Lucky came with a purple neutrona one stream that was like never yeah. utilized in anything yeah. else. So I've kind of wonder if this was supposed to be a special upgraded pack that he had worked on. This when it happened, I just began weeping in the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It took a few watches of this movie to see it through clear eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so, so good. It does. Like, I don't know another movie that's matched it. Compared to some of the other bringing back past people for a movie special effects, it's by far the best. <laughs> Just the cinematography <laughs> of the scene, too, with like, you know, the three guys together, you see kind of. Spangler or Egon and uh, and Phoebe kind of nudging their way over to the or the other three. I mean, it's so well done. Yeah. I love you can just see the top of Phoebe's head. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that look, the, that look, the Ernie Hudson look there. Like, I don't know what to make of this. Um, <laughs> elbows. Bankman is the best. And Ray just, of course. Yeah. Smile. To me, out of the three, Ernie Hudson was the one that really understood like the assignment. Like, <laughs> yes, I agree. All right, I don't know how the physics of this work, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what they're gonna do after. Like, what do you do with all these traps now? I have had the same question of like, you now have Gozer broken up into one hundred ninety-eight little pieces. <laughs> what, what do you do with them all? <laughs> and eBay. They're they're all miners too, right? They're all the miners, the ones that's. Sac- the sacrificial death pit they jumped down in there all these ghosts escaped out of that yeah I mean well whatever so got, I, yeah I don't know it's a that's lot amazing. it's a lot of a lot of PKE <laughs> he's like I'm good now now it's set <laughs> So was he wearing the the jumpsuit when he died, when he had the heart attack? I mean, he was wearing the boots. So, like, yeah, I, think, I like to think, I think, think so. I think he with, was with just, a, like an overcoat. Yeah. And such a great just like way of telling his story and giving him like <laughs> a send off, you know, it's just. I love this movie so much. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be so touching, Yeah, you know, from a Ghostbusters yeah. movie. Yeah. I feel like it does this thing like the fandom had an, a wound 
of like not having closure on sort of like how Ramus is passing and not getting in the movie that we thought maybe we would get someday after seeing that 30th and, you know, after seeing the video game and stuff like. It does feel like it, a, a good bookend to start something new. Yeah. It would have been weird if they pulled the hurt. They, they opened that up and Rick Moranis was inside and that was his cameo. <laughs> Who does your taxes? <laughs> Who turned out the lights again? <laughs> I did want a scene with uh, Gruberson and the original Ghostbusters with Vankman and I really wanted yeah, to see him fanboy out over it. Yeah. He doesn't interact with them at all. It's disappointing. I'm sure we'll get some of that in the next Oh, I, I sure hope so. Yeah. You know. Here it is. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're my subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jim, in the next film, if we find out podcasts like ended his podcast at like episode 60. <laughs> like I'm not ending Extraplasm after that, if that's you're asking me. No, this is our farewell show. <laughs> Get to delete all the episodes leading up to that as well. No, 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 no. <laughs> we will just revisit every 46 episodes, which, in case you're wondering, means that I get 52 weeks at six weeks off. <laughs> per year. It's like a job now, except it's not. Tom, you guys interviewed Bob, didn't you? Bob Gutton? Yeah. And mm-hmm. when he said when he was cast for this role and figured out like what it was, he's like, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why did you pick me if you're just going to replace everything? Like he was like, really? And like kind of didn't want to do it or. Yeah. Was and cool it was hear. it was really interesting, too, because he was at FanFest when they were talking about this movie. You know, he was there on the Wizard World part of things. He had a signing table. And that was well before because he didn't wow. get cast till very late in the process. I had no wow. idea. Yeah, I didn't even. Wow. Wow. And he'd never met Harold, didn't know him, but he had worked with uh, Bill and Ernie before. I just remembered the guy who was inside the Raphael suit was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when Sorry. he explained what was explained to him for the role, like they wanted people to be able to react off of somebody who could act and everything. It did make a lot of sense. So they put a lot of thought into, into doing this. This is designed to make you cry no matter how old you are. And it works. (laughs) (laughs) How do you guys feel about Moogly in the sky? I think it's cute. And I think that like for people who spotted it, it was cool. You know, it's just, it's like so many things happen right there. It really the is. Ghost and the Moogly and then the four Herald. And it's just so much. Now, I said it in a good way when this movie first came out, when the whole Herald scene, I kind of got choked up on. But this is what got me. I don't know why. Mainly because I guess I was waiting for the theme song to be played again in a theater for so many yeah. years. But like when this th- song hit again. Um. That closing shot. There it I, is. Yeah. Jason Reitman mentions this on the Big Head Club commentary that that is a shot that was taken from Venom. 
that they needed another. Really? They didn't have a New York shot, and it would have costed them so much money to go get a shot, an aerial of New York, that they took that footage from the Venom movie that was being produced at the same time, and the Ecto is CGI'd in on top of the bridge, no, which no answers way. the question of why does the Ecto one enter New York City from Brooklyn? Because it would have to come from Oklahoma, go through all of New York City to get to Brooklyn, <laughs> turn and loop past it. In. It would make no sense. past it, <laughs> right? Or they have to fly the car to JFK presumably and then maybe it would drive in arguably that would make sense but the real like insider reason why at a production level is that they didn't want to spend the money on getting an aerial shot in New York City so they already had something they could use because Sony was producing Venom at the same time that's crazy yeah it's like realizing how many times Klingon warbirds show up in different Star Trek stuff because they're just cheap to reuse (laughs) I love like that this movie you can watch the credits and just hit pause over and over again. Like we're not going to do it right now for mm. everybody, but <laughs> there's so much you can read and <laughs> Easter eggs and blueprints and yeah. And it just, it adds so much technical data that that's one of the weird things this movie does is that like we got to see slime blowers and we never got any question about like, well, how does a slime blower work? <laughs> no, it's just magical slime that makes people happy or sad or angry or whatever. And this movie kind of, I feel like gives you that a little more scientific underpinning to, you know, what is a story about and it's root magic. Okay. Here's the scene that like, I really want to know how much more of this is like, there's got to be more of this, of them inside this apartment. (laughs) Well, the assumption is that like Janine goes around and she like wrangles everybody up. I think, right. Like there's like some photos and videos of her, like with Dana outside the apartment door. So, it seems like there was like this whole like mini subplot that was kind of just acts. Yeah. That something was going to be happening here that he, you know, he was going to get, maybe they were going to meet <laughs> up with her. I don't know. I, it's not something that has ever been talked about, I think officially, but. But even if there, if there was more, you know, maybe she has additional scenes. This is like a pitch perfect way to say goodbye. If we don't see Dana yeah. Barrett. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Like we know she's it still out there. It answers a lot of questions. It answers and, like, yeah. is she, yeah. like, where'd she end up? And it's like, okay, they ended up together. That's so kind of nice that like they got older and they stayed together and became, you know, a couple who shock each other for fun. Or <laughs> 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 at least she shocks him. And, you know, this is their dynamic. She's the boss. Well, as I said earlier, one day you find somebody special in your life <laughs> and, you know, you just, you find out what you know, gets you through the day, what you enjoy. But uh, no, kudos for her. I mean, you know, both this movie and Ghostbusters 2016, you know, she showed up for like a day of work. Yeah. And is it like okay and uh, it looks a, fabulous. It's in her contract. She's only allowed to show up for after credit scenes in Ghostbusters films. <laughs> My understanding is this song was like not even actually released yet when they put it out. Like McKenna Grace put this song out and put a little video out for it. But when they put it in the movie, it was like this didn't even exist as like a. Yeah, it was like last minute. Thing. It was like last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the premiere they gave us uh, McKenna's family gave us like a little postcard and she was like, they were talking about how this song was dropping the next week on iTunes yeah. and she was trying to get everybody to pre buy it. I yeah. guess. <laughs> it's a perfect fit for the movie though. Yeah. It ends the movie. Well, um, yeah. And that's the big thing that I, I really miss. I think about this film though is man, Ghostbusters one Ghostbusters two. I mean, those soundtracks were just rocking. You know, oh, yeah. and 
I don't know. I know. City. I know we're past <laughs> the age nowadays when it comes to having that, you know, music used in type of albums or what have you. Uh, but I, I really do miss that. Yeah. I think that, you know, we don't get as much of like compilations. The only movies I can think of like that are like Guardians of the Galaxy is built around music often. So it's still something that yeah, that consideration still movies, exists. But yeah. it would be really cool if they did like an, a well-produced soundtrack album for the next Ghostbusters movie. That would be nice. Bobby Brown, 2024 <laughs> cut of Honor Own. <laughs> no, it's the We're Back remix. Because we're back oh, again. That's oh, yeah. Oh, the lesser known, uh, you know, track. From why? That, why are you um, against? Oh, no, why are? Uh, uh, I just want Bobby. I just want more on our own. I'm, Greatest song I'm ever. Not against anything. I'm just like, let's get we're back. Well, I mean, I, it's okay. It's, it's just an extra plasm against Bobby Brown. <laughs> on our own. And that's where we got to at the end of the 46 episode. We were like, we found our voice, and our voice is to have a great disdain for Bobby Brown. No, not at all. Um. <laughs> I've seen those documentaries, what you did to Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Bobby. Get Finn Wolfhard there playing the guitar. McKenna Grace can do backup. Ah, <laughs> We need a really goofy music video to go with it. That'd be good. There's a lot of people who worked on this movie. Yeah, I think you know what they could do. They could go get Bob Gunton Gunton and he, yeah. could, like, he could get like fill in. For all the celebrities that passed away from the 84 Ray Parker. <laughs> They're like, here's Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked the last time. Why not? Yeah. Was that John Candy? No, that was, that was Bob. <laughs> That's awesome. There's like, I, I mean, thank you to everybody who worked on this movie. I love this movie so much and it's something that I will say waited 31 and a half years for this movie to arrive and it did not disappoint me when it did. And I've really grown to only love it more the more that I sit down and watch it and enjoy it. And I know we poke we pulled some fun, poke some fun at certain things in the movie, but there's not like I don't do the same thing with the first movie. It's not like I don't go, oh, look, there's Vagman with his Thorazine again. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that's a lethal dose. I propose an extra special thanks, though. To the unsung hero who played Egon in that opening. Yes. <laughs> and if you're listening to this show now, reach out to Venkmaniac at extraplasm.com. No, that's not the weird place. It's extraplasmpodcast oh. at gmail.com. I don't own extraplasm.com. Well, I don't know if anybody does. If they do, I don't want it. You can keep I'm it. I'm going to get it now. <laughs> now, all, all of this that we're waiting on here. Is thanks to the delays, correct? They yes. filmed all of yeah. this. Yes. The final moments stuff. of this movie. Even, even the Janine, though? The Janine in, in well, Army? Well, I, I think it was so really just the, yeah, the firehouse. Yeah. The, I asked him, though, and Ernie told me that them shooting at the firehouse was always going to happen. It was always going to be, it was always in the script. And that it was going to be picked up later. And then they ended up picking up late, even later because of the strike oh, or the, okay. the okay. pandemic. But who knows? I just I remember seeing pictures of the 
the basement wall with a containment unit mm-hmm. all built on it and them driving it and like dropping it off in front of the old yeah. fire station in LA. Friend of the show, JD Raymer drove down to uh, the firehouse on that day. He left his job on lunch and was just like, I'm going, I'm going to go see what's going on. <laughs> Smartest and man in the business. <laughs> he actually got there later and they, they had left. Everything was gone, but there were all these people around in MTV music award shirts. Cause they were just people who got crew shirts from something they were working on. So when he came back, he's like, I think maybe they're doing an MTV music awards appearance and they're bringing in the kids to be like hip <laughs> and it never happened and they were like damn <laughs> yeah so you stick around all the way to the end and you get to see the return of ecto-1 well there's your warning telling you that the depictions yeah. of tobacco were not approved by anybody no animals also the heard. fact that this movie is complete fiction <laughs> make sure is this it? is not a documentary oh, what yeah yeah this does not depict the life of dan Aykroyd. <laughs> doesn't it though <laughs> and then hundreds or thousands of ghostbusters fans ran to ebay and typed yes. in World's Fair coin. And for weeks, people debated about which one was the right one. I was about to say at least half of them bought the wrong one. (laughs) Hey, shout out to uh, the Frog Brothers, right? Who found a cache of those and helped people again. Yeah, that's where I got mine. Yeah, You have to assume that this scene exists like independent of what follows, right? That she had to be like, I came to see you and talk to you about something. Mm-hmm. You did great for yourself. Nice place. I thought that was it definitely Starbucks. feels like there should be that, that scene though, of once again, her go- coming and just like, you know, breaking the news of Egon, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it feels like this, yeah. this would be it. I think you're right, Jason. Makes sense. Maybe they cut these two things together. Maybe they both existed in different forms. She's actually there because she's like, I have a proposition for you. I'm opening a detective agency. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is the other poll there? <laughs> yeah, it's we, in his office. There's two. That's right. There's two polls. <laughs> no, I'm curious about the, the firehouse. He just touched it in the firehouse. Yeah. Yeah. There is two. That's right. He goes is there like, a poll in the actual firehouse? No. The firehouse polls are actually been gone for quite a long time. They were yeah, see, the second one's gone, ago. the one they use. Oh, look. so he did take, yeah. He took, he it. took, he took it. the fire pole. Mystery <laughs> solved. <laughs> see, he Son knew they had two, bitch. so he wasn't that big of a jerk. <laughs> he might he might throw chessboards on the floor, but he'll leave, you a, gotta, he'll leave you at least you, one pole. There's the you containment take the unit. the pole next to the arcades, yeah. not next to the, you know, the dinner table. And the reason it's malfunctioning, and then we're going to have another Ghostbusters movie is because of all those Starbucks employees who just kept throwing <laughs> coffee grounds in that containment unit. <laughs> that was a garbage disposal. Well, that was it. That's Ghostbusters Afterlife, everybody. Yeah. Did you have fun? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, yeah. no, it was miserable. So after Afterlife. Um, I, this was a lot of fun. I think that we kind of co- touched on a bunch of different things that maybe people do or don't know about the movie. And if nothing else, hopefully it was an enjoyable listen to, uh, and a new experience to watch the movie with. Um, I want to say one more time that I really appreciate all three of you. You're awesome people and you've added a ton to this podcast and I hope that you'll continue to come on by and say hi as we enter into year two of Extraplasm. Um, I'm not going to change the season count. 
I joked at one point that I was like, maybe I'll just start a whole new season every 46 episodes. But that seems like it's going to make a numbering mess. So I don't think I'm going to do that. Uh, but I, I do want to say that there, I want to do more things like this and more collaborative stuff with folks. So um, let's hopefully we'll reconvene again to do more fun things in the future. So, um, yeah. Anything else that you want to add before we kind of leave the theater as it were and take our popcorn buckets with us and throw them away nicely as opposed to treat the theater staff like trash. Congratulations. Congrats on 46. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. You hit, the, you hit the mark. Thank you. I didn't, wasn't setting you up to be like anything else you want to say. Congratulate me. <laughs> Bestow me with positive accolades and tell everyone how much you love this podcast. I was about to say episode 46. I mean, it's a big deal. It didn't mean anything two years ago, but it's a <laughs> no. big deal in 2023. So there you go. Well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. You cut the legs out from underneath you when you hit episode 50. Now, now it's like, ah, 50. It doesn't right? matter now. Doesn't now matter. It's 50. Who cares? It's like only four after exactly. 46. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but that's part of being a Ghostbusters fan, I think, is taking, you know, different approaches to things and not doing the typical thing. We're going to do the sort of neurodivergent thing of being like 46 is a better number than 50. Why not? So if this was a, I don't know, if this was a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy podcast, it'd be like 42 episodes. It's the best thing ever. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to each of you for doing it. Anything else like uh, you want, anything you want to share, anything you want to put out there, people where people can find you, each of you. This is episode 46. This is all about the extra plasm. So make sure you tune in on Tuesdays and whenever Jim feels like getting around to finally release an episode sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been incredibly consistent. Been you Tuesdays have been amazing. All, I, I am totally kidding. I, I, I joked with him before, but I'm just bringing it up again. But we appreciate all the hard work you do. And and it's it's a joy to be able to listen to a, a, a Ghostbusters themed pod, podcast weekly and and we just want to thank you and and hope you keep it up, man. You're gonna We're all fans cry. here. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Go take a vacation. Go take your six weeks no, off. No, yeah. You know, I get those have to be scattered throughout the year. They're they're got to be like one offs. With this podcast, I mean, the uh, I, I find the guests, the quality has been so consistent. Uh, conversations have been wonderful. And uh, just overall, I mean, it's it's something that I, I look forward to every week. And I'm typically not a Ghostbusters podcast listener. I know that's weird for me being Ghostbusters news, but I take in so much Ghostbusters stuff on a weekly basis. It's kind of like overload. Uh, so to sit down and be like, you know what? I want to listen to more Ghostbusters. Uh, <laughs> typically don't. I make the exception here. Well, um, you do wonderful work. Love it. And I cannot wait to see uh, your action figure release from either Tom or Tony. Come on, somebody, <laughs> somebody race to it. <laughs> well, if Tony and Brendan will do it, then it probably means I'm going to come in the bathtub. But I just, you know, that'll. <laughs> you just raise your eyebrows in a dangerous way. Nobody can see it because it's still a video, an audio podcast. Thank you again for coming on the show. You've all been wonderful. Um, and I want to say that if you are a big fan of action figures, you should, of course, check out Tony Taylor's Phantasm Toys and TCU's uh, or Tom's TCU Toys. If you're a big fan of autographs, you should, of course, go and check out the Containment Unit Autograph Collecting Group on Facebook. And if you need any information at all about Ghostbusters news, probably in a more timely fashion than coming on this podcast and letting me tell you about it, um, <laughs> you should go to GhostbustersNews.com and engage what Jason's bringing out there because he's been doing it for many years and so much of this show uh, and the commentary that 
we get to offer about what's going on wouldn't exist if it weren't for the fact that Jason uh, put so much out there to begin with first. So thank you to all three of you. Um, and I think that about wraps it up for our uh, giant sized Extraplasm episode 46 afterlife commentary. Thanks for coming along, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Wonderful. All right. <laughs> we'll see you again soon. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. I want to say thank you again to Tom, Tony, and Jason for coming on the show and providing the commentary and helping us ring in episode 46. And of course, I want to say thank you to you again, because as I said at the top of the show, the show wouldn't be anything if you weren't here to listen to it and to engage. So if you want to talk more about things that are going on, uh, if you want to chat about the show or things that are happening or you have information you want to share, commentary, you can, of course, always reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram, on Twitter and ExtraplasmPodcast at gmail.com. Coming soon to threads and coming soon to Facebook. I'll let you know once it's up and running. Uh, and coming soon to YouTube. Be sure to check that out as well. Uh, beyond that, I would do, I also want to say thank you as always to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who has done the amazing work of providing us a logo for the last uh, year. I mean, essentially gave us a visual identity and a branding when what we had before was stuff I hacked together in Photoshop. Uh, and, you know, I might have appropriated the mini puffs off the page of like Hasbro or something and used Photoshop them and stuff. And then Brendan rescued us and said, hey, here's actual branding. So thank you to Brendan for essentially providing the visual identity for Extraplasm, uh, not just its logo, because I say that every week, but it really is a visual identity that you gave the show. And I love you for it. You're awesome. For those of you who can go out and support Brendan, go take a look at what he's got on uh, his his. Uh, uh, Instagram page, the things he's producing. And of course you can always support him by buying some, you know, phantasm toys with Tony Taylor. And thank you to uh, vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of ghostbusters we utilize every week uh, as our theme song. And I want to say thank you so much again for being here for a whole year. If you weren't here for the whole year and you just came onto the podcast, feel free to check out the back catalog. And as Ernie Hudson says every week, try to have fun. And always, keep on busting. Take care.